You're listening to the Pop Czar Podcast. Are you ready for the summer? It's movie time. That's right. It's movie time. It's ready for the summer. Are you ready to screw around? That's right. That's right. We're talking about summer camp movies here on the Movie Time Podcast from PopZara.com. That's right. Your PopZara pals have a movie podcast. You didn't know about it? Shame on you. This is Nathan Evans. I am managing editor of PopZara.com. And that little giggle smart you heard in the background is my co-host, Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Thanks. So, are you ready for the summer? Uh, yeah, it's, it, this is like the latest, we're, in we're September. the final <laughs> summer movie podcast episode in the entire <laughs> Apple podcast ne- network. That's true. And all the other <laughs> Apple podcasts right now are probably talking about other things, but yeah. I'll say this though, at this rate, we're going to have Halloween in February. We're going to have uh, Valentine's day in March and we might get to Christmas sometime around July. Yeah. Is it still 2020? Uh, technically no, but it feels like it. It feels yeah. like. It just feels like 2020 never ended. It just kept going. Yeah. It, it ran long. It's like that episode of Seinfeld when Kramer and the car salesman just decided to see how far they could go on the empty tank, and they did a <laughs> and they pulled the thumb on the lease. Um, that's that's 2020. It just doesn't end. You think it's gone, but it comes. It's like the herpes of years. It just keeps coming back, over and over and over and over and over again, with uh, flare-ups. Just like you know, the analogy is way too good. For those who don't recognize, uh, Ethan, you got to pick out the the movies this time. I want to say movies, but let's be clear. We're going to be talking about Meatballs from 1979, Mm -hmm. but we're also going to be talking about the other Meatballs movies. So it's not really Meatballs, Meatballs 2 and 3. It's just Meatballs in general. Would you say? Was that fair? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think the first one kind of – I mean, the first one is the – you know, The the one. The marquee matchup, so to speak, but then the other ones are there. And they are... They are what they are. They are what they are, and yeah. They're, they're all just basically retooled to be with a meatball stamp on it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those great things where, you know, you hear about this all the time, about how some movies weren't meant to be sequels. Like, I think Die Hard 3 or Die Hard 4 wasn't meant to be a Die Hard movie. They just took a script and cut and pasted and turned it into a Die Hard movie. Yeah. That's exactly what happened with Meatballs, except they didn't change anything. They just slapped <laughs> meatballs on it. Because these yeah. movies have nothing in common with each other. Well, the, for, the fourth one with uh, Corey Feldman, I believe they even were like halfway through filming, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're changing the name to a Meatballs movie." Because uh, Corey Feldman was talking, saying he didn't want to do um, like a sequel to a, an already existing franchise. He wanted to do his own thing. But they're like, "Oh yeah, the studio wants to make it a Meatballs movie, so now it's called Meatballs 4. In nineteen like, was it ninety four when that came out or ninety one or ninety uh, two maybe oh goodness it was in the nineties yeah early nineties it's hard to believe that at one time Corey Feldman had power in Hollywood yeah. and he could dictate certain things although Corey Feldman was also in how many uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies speaking of camp movies uh, just one but his character was in three no he was in another one he, he uh was, no he was you, just in four right and he, then his he uh, was Tommy in, he, Jarvis well he was at the beginning of five oh that's right uh, the beginning. Yeah, or yeah, five and six maybe. It's hard. Okay, That's true. because okay, let me say. You know what? Scratch this whole thing. I just got a new analogy. You're gonna love it. If you've watched the Friday the Thirteenth movies, you'll notice that their continuity is um, non-existent for the most part. Yeah. And especially with the character of Tommy, which doesn't age. 
character doesn't age or look anything alike because what the hell? Why not? And that's meatballs. Like they're connected, but they're not. <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, no, I think no. Feldman was at the beginning of one of them because he was filming Goonies. Yeah. And like they just put him in someone's backyard and just filmed him doing one scene. Okay, it was probably five then because six came out in '86, and that would have been too late for Goonies. By the way, Feldman was great in uh, that Friday the Thirteenth. By the way, he was. Uh, he's awesome, and he's great in like in uh and obviously Goonies, and he's great in like The Burbs, and no, he's, he has good he's, movies. In he movies. is a great '80s teen actor, like yep. one. Of, I would say one of the best. Uh, yeah, I agree. One of the best. It's a shame that he had to like close out this franchise. But going back to Meatballs, one quick thing before we get into it. So directed by Ivan Reitman. And written by a whole bunch of people, including Len Bloom, Dan Goldberg, Janice Allen, and yes, Harold Ramis. Scored by Elmer Bernstein. Basically, 90% of these people would return and and create Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's what's crazy about this. Like, this is basically a template for Ghostbusters if Ghostbusters was in a summer camp sex comedy. Well, and even you go back to Animal House, which was also written Mm -hmm. by Ramis and produced by Reitman. Um, obviously directed by John Landis, but and Elmer Bernstein uh, mm-hmm. scored that as well. Like uh, that, that whole team kind of like invented the sex comedy as we know it, starting with Animal House. And this was kind of like <laughs> the logical next step was Meatballs, and then you had like Porky's, and a couple years later, which had nothing to do with any of these people. I don't. Think, I but. love the genre, but they knew when to get out, though. Like they knew yes. when they knew when to jump. Uh, you know, Fisher cut bait. I'll say this though. This is we're talking about Meatballs 1979. We're talking. You say sex comedy, and I agree with you. I agree the word sex comedy, but yeah. I, I was writing in my notes because I hadn't seen Meatballs in a long time. But it looks like, particularly the Meatballs movies, it's like they're sex comedies written by people who have never heard of sex. <laughs> the like, second one, the second one, like the second one especially, especially to use the word sex or penis. And I think yeah. it's because they don't want the R rating. I think they wanted to keep the PG rating, even though there was a PG-13 rating at the time of that movie. There was. Technically. And I think Meatballs 3 is the only R-rated one, or the first one. Yeah, that one's for sure um, a sex comedy. Which, which again, though, doesn't feel like anybody involved knows anything about sex. Yeah. And and the plot is about a porn star who dies. Yeah. So it's crazy. But uh, going back to Meatballs 1, though, I will say this about Meatballs 2. Meatballs 2 involves an alien from space. And the alien from space is less alien than the humans talking about sex, yeah. because the humans have clearly no idea what sex is. It's it's like watching a Tommy Wiseau movie and thinking Tommy <laughs> Wiseau knows anything about romance. Like that's how alien and foreign physical activity is to these people because they're calling them pinkies. They're, they're yeah. they have no idea what they're talking about. Meatballs, nineteen seventy nine. So what is Meatballs about? It's about meatballs, right? Yeah, it's, it's so it's it's essentially just a. It takes place during the summer. Starts from the first day when they get on the bus, um, and uh, Bill Murray plays like kind of the head counselor. He is the head counselor, and he kind of manages the CITs, which is the counselors in training. Um, and the the movie mostly follows kind of just the goings on of the counselors in training. It's very episodic, as Harold Ramis, <laughs> like pretty much all of his movies are. Did this come uh, out? Yeah. Did this come out before Amazon Woman on the Moon or after? Uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was later. This one came out um, before Caddyshack. Even Caddyshack really? it was the next year, the year after. Yeah, but it was um, yeah, it was his follow up after Animal House, which I think was his. I think that was his first screenplay. 
All but, these, um, yeah, all oh, these guys. Oh, Kentucky Fried Movie, if that's what you're. Oh, Kentucky Fried. Oh, okay. Anyway, Amazon Moon. That was the '80s. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was '84, maybe '80, something like that. Uh, hand on heart. I do like these movies. I just got the dates mixed up because I'm stupid. So. Yeah. Well, Kentucky Fried Movie is great. Um, '77. That was that was like people really. That came out even before Animal House, and that kind of like set the wheels in motion for something like animal house. I mean, if you watch it with the mindset that this was 1977, like there's some stuff in there that's like rated X almost. Well, um, and it would, it's crazy that what they got away with. Well, because it's a comedy, like, yeah, because it's a comedy, you can get away with anything. And I, there used to be this old film uh, style technique where, uh, because of the, the film board where, where censorship that you could get away with showing raunchy stuff as long as it was passed off as a documentary. Yeah, and I forget what they're called, white shirt or white coat films, where someone would have to literally appear as a doctor explaining what was happening, and you see remnants of this in some of the Ramus stuff and um, and the Ramus stuff where like they'll show like a like an educational sex comedy, but the professor or the doctor will come out and explaining what's happening. You'll still see it sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's gone now, sadly, <laughs> but it's funny. Yeah. You know that it, that that's interesting how because uh, especially there's like that self awareness more so like obviously more so in like the animal house there's like breaking the fourth wall so uh, Bill Murray plays as the council, head counselor Tripper and he befriends this camper Rudy who was gonna run away from camp Rudy's played by Chris Makepeace uh, which everyone on the internet refers to him as though he's like a household name but I, I this is the only thing I've ever yeah seen he's got, he's got good PR and I'll tell you this he's the worst part of this movie. For me, his hair is the worst part of the movie. Well, you know what he is, though. Let's be fair. For those who are too uh, young, he's a he's a teen he's a teen idol. He's um, what do you call it? Like, um, what was the name of that magazine? Like a heartthrob. Oh, Cut, uh, Teen Beat. Teen Beat. Teen Beat. Yeah. And you look at him, and you're like, I could see the Davy Jones. I could see the Osmonds. Like, he's got the whole hair, oh, yeah. the sparkling blue eyes. He's so dreamy. Um, he, this is he's going to be the next big thing, and he's even got that voice. Like, he's got that '70s teen voice that hasn't cracked yet. Yeah. And he's just as vapid as a surfboard. And yeah, little did anyone know that that uh, teen girls would be moving on to more of the Tom Cruise, Christian yeah. Slater types. Yeah. Well, I was reading his Wikipedia page, and he's got all this laudatory stuff about how Roger Ebert called him a revelation or something. Yeah. And weird. I was like, no, no, like. <laughs> what? No. Honestly, though. Honestly, though. Uh, so I'm, I, I mean, I'm going to get this right off the bat. I, sure. I'm not a huge Harold Ramis fan. I think, I th- actually think this movie's better than Ghostbusters. I'm not a huge Ghostbusters wait, fan. Wait, 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 wait. You think, okay, let me just, let, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. Ethan Brem, movie critic, commentarian, thinks that Meatballs is better than Ghostbusters. Yes. All right. So, and, but I'm I'm gonna say why. Okay. And I also think it's better than Caddyshack, which I think most people. Yeah, think Caddyshack. In hindsight, nah. agree that it's it's look it's cast overshadows. It's. Can we be honest story. with you about Caddyshack? Caddyshack is three things. Caddyshack is um, Chevy uh, Chase. Chevy, no, Chevy Chase, Ronnie Dangerfield, and Bill Murray. That's it. That's the movie. Yeah, exactly. And there's no there's no protagonist in that. Movie. No, no, no. Like that's it. Those scenes are the only good scenes. Like when you see those three guys, especially let's be honest, Rodney Dangerfield is the greatest thing in the world in that movie. Oh my gosh, he's amazing in that movie. Like that became he became a comedy superstar because of Caddyshack. Yeah, that was his. First, I think that was like his first major film role. Oh, by the way, he actually did something. Well, here's the thing though. Uh, he went off to have two major hits in the '80s. Two major hits. Yeah, and Easy Money. Yeah, and uh, Sally Kellerman, by the way, who is from Mash, 
also related to this. She plays. She played the porn star. <laughs> okay, first of all, if you know who yeah. Sally Kellerman is, and I That's said she right. plays a porn star, you're not going to believe it. Um, but she was also the inspiration for Miss Piggy. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, you look at her like, yeah, I see it. And yeah, but, totally. But she was in the movie. She's not the. She's not the TV version. I forget uh, the TV version. I forget her name. But she's she's my hot lips who Jamie Jamie something. Jamie Oliver? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, Sally Kellerman has like an obsolete type of sexuality that doesn't exist anymore. It's that whole like let's put Vaseline, let's put let's put you know you in flowery dresses and that frizzed hair. It's like it's a 1971 sex appeal that doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, she plays Rodney Dangerfield's love interest in Back to School. Hmm. And she's okay in that movie, but she's no porn star. Yeah. Anyway, but you 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 were you were talking about something crazy that this movie is yeah. better than Ghostbusters. So okay, Can I, <laughs> well let me get well, it, it's it's not it's they're not that different of movies as far as how they're structured. No, they're not. I mean, Harold Ramis has a really hard time with establishing protagonists in like almost all of his movies, and he he gets it right a few times. Like Groundhog Day, I think is a is, I think that's like his stroke of genius i i think that he never ever does anything better than groundhog day um but it's also kind of hard to tell if he knew he was breaking the rules or if this is just how he was taught to write well, or he thought how can was, I, he was supposed to write let me ask you a question though how much of this to do how much does this have to do with bill murray because because i want to be can i just say one thing before you you tell the crazy idea that this is better than ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. is that this is bill murray like beatballs is bill murray yes without bill murray there's no movie here that's the problem. You have a generic like after school special almost. But yeah. with with Bill Murray though, you have a different movie. Like he's literally the movie. Yes. And and I think it it works. And and that type of like the star vehicle thing is it can work uh, it can yield uh you know, it can yield something that's better than being a star vehicle obviously. Mm-hmm. But where like something like well okay, let's take Animal House. That's John Belushi. You know, if there was no John Belushi, that movie would still be. It'd be okay. Um, still got characters. Like, yeah. He, he doesn't get a ton of the scenes. He gets these like well dispersed moments, but he doesn't get a ton of the scenes. Caddyshack is absolutely nothing without its. No, it's, it's basically it's just vision. It's just vignettes. You know, it's like it's basically a. Um, I hate to. What would you call it? It's almost like um, anthology. Of, yeah, it's like of different slice, characters. Yeah, it's episodic, right? Yeah, it's just like oh, here and even like the whole second act of, of Caddyshack is like a monstrosity. It's not even a story. It's that mo- that's Caddyshack is barely a movie. Well, movie. Ghostbusters has structure, obviously, but it's also to me, it's it's it, because it has such a firm structure. The fact that it doesn't really have a, like a main audience surrogate or main character or protagonist, it kind of suffers. Whereas Meatballs is very outright. Look, this is just. It is what it is. Yeah, and and all the episodes, ep- all the episodes connect to each other, and it's really building this world of summer camp, and it really establishes like the mythology that every summer camp has. I went to summer camp my whole life. It's very accurate, by the way. It's very, it accurate. very accurate. Yeah, I, I went to summer camp, and I was a counselor when I became an adult. Uh, in college Were you a CIT? Were you a CIT? I was a CIT no. also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So pity us, but, but no, but. But, yeah. but to compare Caddyshack one more time, like Caddyshack has this abysmal storyline of the yeah. kid with the girl, you know, the Scottish girl who gets pregnant, and it yeah. just it just drags the movie down. And this movie so, has uh, what's his name? We just said Rudy. Is it Rudy? Rudy? Yeah, yeah, Rudy, and it just drags it down. And it only ever works when Bill Murray's there to spice it up. 
Yeah, but I think the Rudy stuff, for me it worked. There was always like that one kid who just hung out with the counselors instead of the campers, so that, like the kids his own age. So that kind of was uh, rooted in something. And, and I at least liked the fact that even like they made it, they didn't totally make it about him. They didn't try to pretend like he was the main character. They tried to, they, you knew it was Bill Murray, but he was just kind of like the secondary protagonist, I guess. Well, I think if the movie had been all Bill Murray, it would have been different, but sure. would you agree though? Um, this movie is not only Bill Murray's first movie, but it also yeah. establishes something interesting that in uh, so many of his movies, he plays mentor to young people. And this is, yeah. he, he does it in Rushmore he, I have a list here, real quick. Let me let me look at my list. Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent, yeah, Saint Vincent, and you could think about it in Ghostbusters as well when he's when he's mentoring um, when he's mentoring even uh, Dana a little bit when he oh, helps yeah. her out. But he's so good in that space. Like, can we just be clear before you you go off and try to convince people <laughs> that this movie is better than Ghostbusters? <laughs> but the fact is, there's a reason why Bill Murray was a phenomenon. Like, there's a reason why he was like I would say if you had to rank the top 10 comedy actors of the last 40, maybe in 50 years, Bill Murray would come up in the top three, maybe in the top two. Like, there's a reason why people like Bill Murray, despite everything. It's because he is Bill Murray. And he's, and there was only one scene in Caddyshack that I didn't really care for. I'm not Caddyshack, um, Meatballs. It's the scene when he's clearly trying to be Jim Belushi in the, in the cafeteria. And he starts doing this very Jim Belushi routine, and he's doing the voices. And, yeah, it's funny, but that's something Jim Belushi could pull off, no problem. Yeah. With Bill Murray, you're kind of looking for the sarcastic, sardonic, like, you know, passive-aggressive type of comedy. Yeah. So. I will say he is, I think, I think isolated, I think he is funnier in Ghostbusters. Um, but I do think that he is, the, he, I don't, I don't even see Meatballs as a comedy, though. I see it as just, like, a cool story. Like a cool like glimpse into this summer camp and and I mean and also in 1979 mm-hmm. the summer camp this also kind of propelled like the Friday the Thirteenth I don't think there yes would be Friday I had that the 13th, too I had that too not for meatballs and there were there was one other uh, summer camp movie that came out in 1979 which is awful it's called Summer Camp yeah uh, I saw I tried I tried watching that movie it's it's on it's, Amazon it's almost it's, unwatchable I think is that the one Dennis Quaid's in it's pretty bad. Um, it's pretty awful. You know what's funny, though? Uh, you're talking about Friday the 13th, right? So did you know that the director of Friday the 13th, uh, Sean S. Cunningham, he also created his own beach sex comedy right after this movie? Which one? Uh, it's on. By the way, I want to recommend this movie because I like this movie. It's terrible, but it's better than any of the Meatball sequels. Uh, he did – let me double check. I want to make sure I get it right. Spring Break. Oh, okay. I've yeah, Spring it Break. Out. It's on Amazon, right? It is. Yeah. It is out of all the beach sex comedies, it's one of the best. It's really. It's incredibly dated. It's incredibly dated, but in all, like the soundtrack is awesome. The actors all do their their best. It's got lots of TNA. It's got Who's lots in of that? that. Nobody famous. Um, like a hot, like a hot moves or hard bodies type of. Type yeah. Of thing. Well, you know, two nerds. Two nerds yeah. are going to the beach. Are going to are going to Florida. And they, they room up with two cool dudes, and they become friends, and he wants to get laid. So he's got to get laid, but he plays video games that attracts the girl. And it's fun. It's, it's a fun movie. In fact, I just rewatched it randomly uh, a couple weeks ago. It holds up, but it's dated. It's completely dated. And honestly, yeah. that's why I like it. Because, yeah. because sometimes movies are the closest thing we have to time travel. 
Mm-hmm. And this is like time traveling back to 1982 when everything either t- when all the sex took places at ready camp, uh, ski resorts or the beach. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the only place teenagers ever had sex. Nowhere else. Just just those three places. That's it. Or the back of the car. Yeah, and they never really have sex because, ironically, for all the sex talk, there's no real sex in these movies. They're sexless. Yeah. Yeah, especially meatballs. It, I mean, it, it it gets a little rapey at one point, which is yeah. almost, which is definitely worse than. I do want to talk about that later. Sex scene. I want to yeah. talk about that later, but not right now. You yeah. know, there's this old theory in Hollywood when they talk about making movies, and you you get this a lot where you hear about movies that were in development hell, like Total Recall, for example, or Blade Runner, where you hear, "Oh, this movie was supposed to star this person. It was supposed to star this person." Uh, I'll give you Total Recall for an example. You know, uh, Paul Verhoeven. We talked about this. That movie was supposed to star, I think, uh, who was it? Richard Dreyfus. And people always talk about, oh, this movie would have been so much better with a real actor and all of this. Yeah, they say this. They, they always – they like to say this blockbuster smash movie that broke records would, would have been better with anybody but Arnold Schwarzenegger. And here I, I, I'm just sitting there with you know my fist on my chin just listening to this person prattle. I'm like, you don't get it, do you? There would have been no movie with Richard Dreyfus. Like yeah. this movie only exists because of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and I think there's something to be said, Ethan, about star power, and about how when you have a, a really charismatic movie actor, whether male or female, they can save a bad movie. They can save something. They can transform it into something else. And you saw that when you had all these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies get remade with quote unquote better actors, and they oh, yeah. all of them bombed. All of them. Every single one. It's because they don't have what made the movie so interesting. Like you said, an audience surrogate. And you said uh, Ghostbusters didn't have an audience surrogate. And I disagree, and I'll explain. What do you think is Rick Moranis? No. And I'll, I'll, you're going to laugh when I tell you who it is. Okay. But, you know, again, the audience surrogate in Arnold movies was Arnold. You know, we, I mean, who can identify with being a six foot five Austrian bodybuilder? That's who I am. That's me up there. I can see me. But no, seriously, like it's it's not that the character looks like me. It's that I can imagine myself being that person. Like, like I can trust Arnold to to help me. He's this is going to be a good time, you know. And with Ghostbusters, a lot of people say it's Bill Murray, but it's not. You know who the real? And p- some people say it with uh was uh what's his face um Zedmore. What's his name? I'll just say the black guy. You know what I'm talking oh, about Ernie Ernie Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. yeah, not Ernie Hudson. You know who it is? It's actually Janine. Oh, uh, Sigourney Weaver? No, no. <laughs> okay, you don't like Ghostbusters? You don't know Ghostbusters. No. Wait, oh, the, is that the uh, secretary? The secretary, yeah. What's her name? Oh, Annie Potts. Yeah, yeah. Annie Potts. Because yeah, Annie Potts, right, Annie it's Potts. just a job. And she's just sitting there watching this chaos, right? And at one point in the movie, she gets so fed up. She's like, Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> you know, it's because you're watching these guys. Bill Murray's a fraud. Dan Aykroyd's crazy. You know, uh, Harold uh, Egon's nuts, but he's a genius. And, you know, Zedmore's just in it for the paycheck. But she loves these guys, and she's just here because she's secretly loved with Rick Moranis. So, yeah. see, there's there's no audience here. You're totally Inch. right. But, <laughs> so, well, just... well, I, I think I, – well, that's interesting, actually, that you say that. I, I, and I have – it's been a few years since I've seen Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters and I've seen it a few times. But um, I've just – it's never resonated with – and I don't hate it by any means. I'm not trying to say it's a knock. I, I actually love Meatballs, so that – I mean, I'm comparing it to a movie that I really, really like. You know there's like. another connection? What's that? Well, did you see the girl in Meatballs at the beginning? The girl, the little girl uh, with the glasses, and she looks kind of nerdy. Yeah. Did you see the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife? 
No. That the girl who plays Egon's granddaughter looks exactly like the girl in Meatballs. Oh, really? Exactly like the girl in Meatballs. I wonder if she was related to uh, Harold Ramis or something. Uh, that girl. Well, it, girl. it is being directed by his son, right? Yeah, Hold James, on. Jason Raymond. We're going to do something we don't normally do. I'm going to do something in real time. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to turn off the sound, but this is how awesome we are. So I'm going to show you a picture of this girl. You tell me what you think. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Okay. See that little girl right there? See yeah. her? Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. You can't see it, audience, but what he's seeing, he's seeing a picture of me showing him Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now I'm going to bring up Meatballs. All right. I'm going to bring up Meatballs here. I'm going to turn down the volume because you don't have to hear that awesome music. Okay, you ready? Is it the one who's talking to Elaine Boozler? No, I looked her up. I couldn't find her anywhere on IMDb or anything. I tried typing in girl with shirt. <laughs> right here. Oh, whoa. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Now, now look at this. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I wonder who the actress who See that? that girl is. Look at that. Yeah, whoa, that is really weird. That, so now, so if you're watching Meatballs and you're watching Ghostbusters Afterlife and you see a little nerdy girl with glasses, yeah. They're By connected. the way, I love how they try to make that hairstyle a thing again. They're trying to. It's it's kind of like 80s librarian. So Yeah. Yeah. Or Zool. But no, I mean, here's the thing. You got to be careful when you're talking about Ghostbusters because as we <laughs> as we all know, as we all know in 2016 when the uh, the reboot came out, it was a it was a thing. It was a, it was a controversy. Mm. And it came out and the whole nostalgia word came out. Nostalgia, nostalgia. But um yeah, and I, I don't hate Ghostbusters. Okay, I really don't. I actually think <laughs> the best part of that movie is Bill Murray and Rick Moranis because I think both of them are amazing. I just think the movie is a little too rickety for me. I, I think it's not. I think that like like we're talking. Okay, if you want to talk about themes, even like the themes in Meatballs um, are. It, I think it's one of the only times Harold Ramis actually has realized themes, and that includes. Uh, Groundhog Day. I think Groundhog Day, there was a lot of stuff that I think he didn't even realize he was doing. Uh, well, maybe he didn't realize he was doing it in Meatballs, but it, it resonated with me. Like the, with the, you have the rich camp, and uh, then you have the poor camp, which is Bill Murray's camp, Camp North Star. And um, it kind of really talks about how the memories are just the same, if not even more valuable at the budget camp. Um, and, and especially at that age where winning and losing doesn't matter as much as like personal and moral victories. Um, I, I don't know. I, that that's kind of thing really. Well, it, it you know what's funny really though? They on that they're, nostalgia. they're talking about having a poor camp, but this poor camp has like a diner, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a complete yeah, diner well, with its yeah, own barman, a busman. Maybe it's government funded. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what's funny? I went to a government funded uh, welfare camp. Uh, oh, yeah. the, the Boys and Girls Club where I lived used to run this camp called 4-H Camp, and just oh, yeah. exactly like this movie, we got dropped off at the playground, and the buses came and collected us, and two weeks later we came back. And we all hated it. No, I don't want to go. I want to play Nintendo, right? But but after two days, you kind of liked it. You, like you you yeah. you know once you got past the the detoxing of the of technology, you kind of liked it. You made friends, and you you know you know you got into the superstitions. You you clicked up with your click. You know you made friends, and it was fun. Like summer camps, a lot of fun. Like getting away from society is fun. Especially um, looking back, it's like man, that I you, you know you'd you'd pay money to go. Do some be able to do something like that again, and you do pay money. It's called and, vacations. Uh, yeah, that's very, well, so yeah, 
as a kid, but to just that mindset, you'll, you'll never have that mentality back of being a kid and being away from your parents for however long, for a summer even. And, you know, doing, you know, hanging out with other kids where you don't have to report to your parents at the end of the day and, and you know, you know, flirting with girls or whatever yeah. it may be. Like, there's something kind of cool about that and, and uh, almost like dangerous, even if it's not. And I, that's maybe what meatballs is. It's, it's like has a pretense of being dangerous, but it's not, it's not well, dangerous. You know what else is funny though? Um, so meatballs is Canadian, like a lot of this stuff. And so the Canadian stuff is very, um, very transferable to American stuff yes. for the most part. But when you look at a lot of the comedians that have started making these movies afterwards, the, a big theme that came through was the Jewish summer camp. And that comes over and over and over again. In fact, I think the Jewish summer camp story replaced the summer camp story for a lot of people. And so, you know, you have these ideas of these shared of these shared experiences. When you look at uh, when you look at the kids at Meatballs, I mean, can I can I say it? Yeah. Kind of a lot of white people, and I'm, yes. I don't say that as a complaint. I'm just saying you look back at 1979 Canada, and it was pretty white. And yeah, like even at Meatballs two which I believe is an American movie, it's much more diverse. Yeah, like, that was like an Italian-American summer camper. Like well, everyone, well, everyone that, there was like, hey, hey. hey that was the summer camp where apparently judges could sentence juvenile delinquents to be in charge of children. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah when secret, and secretly all they're doing is like hooking up with other counselors. Yeah. Yeah, some punishment. Yeah, some punishment. And like, <laughs> like you know, and you had like, I hate to say it, you had... um. And you don't have any structure in Meatballs 1, but in, by Meatballs 2, you kind of see the formula forming. Like yeah. you have the cripple kid, you have the hot guy, you have the hot girl, you know, you have the fat kid, you have the twins, like you have the, you have the space alien, you know. Yeah, you, of course, yeah. <laughs> you just have the things. And, and to be honest with you, I don't like it as much because you realize that these things really did become a formula and they did yeah. become predictable. And that, and can we just say this? Look, I, I don't mean to be offensive. But being fat, being the fat kid in 1984, it would be like being skinny now. Like, the body styles have changed so much. Like, like you look at Chunk or whatever in Goonies, and he's, oh, yeah. he's, like, fit now. Yeah, even, like, John Belushi, they always said, like, oh, the funny fat guy. John Belushi was not that fat. Yeah. Like, he really, like, compared to, like, Chris Farley or something like that, only 15 years later, not even. Yeah, Chris Farley was fat. And yeah, Chris Farley is huge. Yeah, but he yeah, huge. John Belushi was just stocky. By the way, speaking of Jim Belushi and Chris Farley, uh, if you are a larger, larger sized male, do not do heroin, please. Your body can't oh, take yeah, it or gosh. cocaine. Yeah. So we we've lost Eleven too many speedballs. Jesus, I I've seen I've seen the autopsy photos. So it's not good. Not the autopsy, the death scene photos. The death scene, yeah. That's not that's not attractive. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I we could we. At some point, we're going to do Ghostbusters, and we can we can save a lot of this for there. But I will say this: um, it's almost not fair to compare something to Ghostbusters because people feel so passionate about it. And and I will say this though: for a movie that was never meant to be a sequel, that was made almost forty years ago about blue collar, just comedians, Ghostbusters should have never been a franchise. Like it doesn't really work as a franchise, and I think. I have a feeling we're about to enter a very dark time when they're trying to sequelize it, and I don't think you can. I don't even think yeah. they wanted to. I don't even think they wanted to make part two. I got another hot take for you. You want to hear it? Oh, no. You you, you think the 2016 version was better? Oh, no. I think Okay, please don't say that. Then those be fighting words. Too better than the first one. Um, a lot of people say that, and I think I think it's depend. Like I said, I think it's one of those things where nostalgia does play a pull. 
um, because yes. it's because it's so hard for people today to understand how big Ghostbusters was in 1984. I know. Like today, well, not today because of the pandemic, but now you have a blockbuster every week. You had Shang Chi, you have Avengers, you get you get a blockbuster movie. Everything makes 300 million. Everything's a phenomenon. You feel spoiled. But back then, you had one blockbuster or maybe two, and Ghostbusters was a, an original IP featuring, let's just say, adult performers. You know, not sure. for children. Yeah, exactly. Like E.T. was kids. Yeah, right? yeah. And you have and you have this weird concoction. And I and and Ethan, I'll just say this, and so we can move on from Ghostbusters. Um, I think Ghostbusters is a near perfect film. Perfect wow. doesn't mean perfect doesn't mean great. It doesn't mean you know in that, but it's just it feels like it was a a movie that everything came around at the same. It was kismet. Point. It was kismet exactly, and everything happened directly the way it should have everything lined up and and it's not really an opinion that people love that movie it's a fact but i do i do think that some people love the movie perhaps too much and they feel like it's too perfect and it can't be it can't be modified um i think no more none more than bill murray himself Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, the the weight he places on Harold Ramis, and and I'm I'm not. I think Harold Ramis. I think he's one of the godfathers of like the teen comedies as we know him today. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, all stemming kind of from American Graffiti and George Lucas. Yes. Um, but which I think is a perfect movie. But uh, that aside, we'll do that someday. But um, yeah. But I and I have mad respect for Harold Ramis, Ivan Reitman. John Lannis, especially John Lannis, I think he was. I think Twilight Zone fiasco debacle just ruined him. Um, and well, I think he only had one good movie since then. But well, can I say one thing? That I was talking to our producer today about this. Uh, we we had just watched John Lannis's last big movie before his before the downfall. It was called Into the Night. Have you ever seen yeah. it? I've never seen that with that uh, Goldblum, right? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and yeah. it is such a strange movie. Because they used to make these type of movies in the 80s. Uh, Martin Scorsese made one, too. Do you remember? After Hours. After Hours. Adventures I love those. I love those movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, let's go have an adventure and just go across strange character after strange character. It's almost like the Odyssey, but in, like, Los Angeles. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, you know, like I said, Adventures and Babysitting. So many of these types of films. Also very much influenced. All those are influenced by American Graffiti, too. I think American Graffiti is one of the most influential movies ever. But. Can, I, can I say this, though? But uh, yeah. in Into the Night, John Landis stop, is in the movie as a hit, as a mute hitman. <laughs> the, movie's, and the, the movie is only good for one thing. The movie's not very good. I'll be honest with you. But, like, all the guest stars are actors. I mean, uh, are directors. Like, let me just read oh, you some cool. of, let me just read you some of the, the guest stars. Jack yeah. Arnold, Rick Baker, David Cronenberg, Jonathan Demme, uh, Ooh, Amy Hartel. Amy Hackerlin, Jim Henson, you know, uh, yeah, all these people. Lawrence Kasdan, I need to see this. Movie. Yeah, I'll, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I have a, I have a copy I can send you, but, yeah. but it's not a great movie, but it's interesting because this is when John Landis was one of the biggest directors in the world, and yeah. th- he chose to make this, and I think this and the Twilight Zone, like you said, and the fight and the breakup with uh, the fights with Eddie Murphy, didn't do good oh, for his yeah, career. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah. 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 By the way, I think the best movie uh, John Lennis has ever made was Coming to America. More than American Werewolf? Yes. I love American Werewolf. I love parts of American Werewolf dearly, but but to me, Coming to America is almost a perfect comedy. Really? I love it so much, and I, I don't like the new one very much. Oh, no, I did not like that one as much. I didn't hate it. I, there are parts that are great. There are parts that are great and made me smile, but for the most part, the movie is so so dripping with modernism yeah. that it's hard yes. to watch. 
Yeah, yeah. The, a big charm of the original is the period it was filmed in. You know, even just like the dated looking McDonald's is pretty awesome. Just to live in that McDonald's. Like just have a McDonald's. Yeah, or yeah, you know, it's called the was it no, McDonald's? no, 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 no. See, they have the golden arches. He has the golden arcs. <laughs> you know, it's like there's yeah. a whole speech about it. But my, my favorite '80s uh, Landis movie is probably Blues Brothers. Every, you know, I'm of the. I don't like Blues Brothers, but I know people love it. I know they love it. Yeah, I know. I think that's like the 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 best version of that. Like, ep, even though it's not Harold Ramis, but it's the best version of that episodic comedy that Harold Ramis wanted well, to make so badly all the if, time. If you don't have Blues Brothers, you don't have Ghostbusters, and yes. and in many ways, and this is my final thought on all this. Um, Ghostbusters was the culmination of all this. It was the culmination of hamburger. I'm sorry, of uh, meatballs, of Blues Brothers, of Stripes, of you know, of Kentucky Fried Movie. Like Animal this was House. this was Animal House. It was all. In fact, you know, we all know that Jim Belushi and Eddie Murphy were supposed to be in it, and yeah. of course, Jim Belushi died. Although he's in there in spirit as Slimer, and Eddie Murphy, of course, didn't. It just didn't work out. But but again, it is what it is, and I will defend Ghostbusters from a film point of view. But I understand that not everybody likes it. But I, I will end the Ghostbusters conversation by saying something that is incontrovertibly true, is that the 2016 version was garbage. Yes. And it doesn't merit the Ghostbusters name. And and I have to say this because I'll be accused of sexism if I don't say this. I like most of the actors in the movie quite a bit. I even like the, I even like the director. Um, I just don't think any of them were a fit. Yeah, I think Kate McKinnon was the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Uh, she um, was really funny. She was because she's the only one having fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, she was just she can she can just immerse herself in this weird character, and everyone else was kind of playing just themselves. And and I'm worried about Ghostbusters Afterlife a little bit because everyone says, "Oh, it looks so great because it 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 rings the bells," but but I don't know. Maybe it's just not meant to be. I mean, the cartoon was great, but if I learned anything from Bill and Ted face the music um yeah you don't you don't want to you don't want to ghostbusters after like you just want to rewatch ghostbusters well i'm wondering if it's the cherry blossom syndrome and this happens a lot where the reason you love star wars movies well the reason people loved star wars movies so much is because there was only three of them for a long time mm-hmm. and then you started getting the prequels and people loved them a little less and then all of a sudden disney buys it and you have you have more star wars movies produced in 3 years than lucas produced in 40 yeah. And it's just too much. It, it's not a special thing anymore. It's just too much. And, I mean, Ghostbusters may be a time capsule. It yeah. may be a time capsule, and that's all I'll say about it. Well, I'll, I'll reserve judgment for Afterlife, but mm-hmm. but why is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in this movie when that was Ray's vision? You know what I mean? That was his oh, – yeah. that was not Paul Rudd's. I mean, that was Ray's vision because it could be oh, anything. Interesting. And if, you know, it's like it's like when you watch Coming to America too. Like, how come all the barbershop guys are in Africa? Like, they don't they don't need to be there. <laughs> this makes this makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, there should be new characters, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I will say this about George Lucas because I know you said you love American Graffiti. Say what you will about the Star Wars prequels, but they're all different. They all had different characters. Had a, yeah, had a, he didn't try, he didn't try to bring back Ewoks. No, or, he uh, he know, he made a fifty space diner. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's and, stupid. And as and as much hate as he gets for Jar Jar Binks, like you know, he's a character though. I mean, he's part of the world. Like you, yeah. he served a purpose in that movie, and he, you know, people I think were just annoyed by his voice, maybe. Yeah. But he served a purpose for the story, and I mean, he's there. So, well, in the new Star Wars movie, Han Solo shows up wearing his old uniform because you know people want the old stuff. 
Yeah, can't have I new still, stuff. Yeah, because I mo- most because my dad still wears shirts that he had fifty years ago. Yeah, exactly. Had a whole life. You know what? I think I'll put on these old rags again. So no he, reason. Yeah. He he didn't even wear those in the original movie. He wore them like in the first one. Yeah. Then he changed, but no. Nostalgia says you have a look. You need to stay. How yeah. how badass would it have been if if uh you know Han Solo had had a new uniform? Yeah, that'd have been cool. A new yeah, exactly. Like a new. A new, and that would have been cool for merchandising. You would have had like a new Han Solo to merchandise. This is Force Awakens Han Solo. Exactly. It would have been fantastic. But yeah, so we'll, we'll figure out what's going on with Ghostbusters. Um, the reboot was terrible. We'll see if the afterlife is any better or if it's a continuation or if it's unnecessary. But in regards to that, I mean, you can kill something by overdoing it. You know who's really good at not overdoing it, though? Uh, Ricky Gervais, when he made The British Office... Oh, yeah. He was very, very clear that he didn't want things to overdone, so he would end it before. And he's had like 10 series since then, and he, they all ended like two seasons. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. You know, it's not It's not about – yeah, it's not about the money more so than it is the the vision. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I think some, some things lend themselves better to sequels than others, of course. And yeah. people always want to revisit their friendly characters. But I think it's pretty clear that over the course of 40 years, Bill Murray wanted nothing more to do with Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, he said it even. Um, he's not in the new one, is he? He is. Um, is, is Rick I, Moranis? I don't know if Rick Moranis is in it. He's Although Rick Moranis has emerged too, by the way. He's come back doing yes. those commercials with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, He looks right. great. Was like, yeah, <laughs> he he looks the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I think people I think I, I get people who want a sequel to whatever whether it be Star Wars or or Ghostbusters or for me Bill and Ted. But for me, um, I wanted the world and the characters. And if the characters are off and the world is way too different, then it's not as rewarding as I learned from Bill and Ted. If the, at least the characters were the same, it would have been fine. But Keanu Reeves just was like, I don't, I don't remember this character anymore. Yeah. He just was John Wick the whole time, and well, it he was not. He fun. was physically different too, and that's the problem. And you know, and and he just had moved on by that point. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. They have that. Have you seen the preview for the new Matrix movie? No. What's it called? Matrix. 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 I don't know. Matrix castrations. I don't know anymore. Run down to the ground. Yeah. Nobody wants Matrix Four. Uh, it's got a name. It's called Matrix Resurrections, and they've they've had a few teaser trailers out and everything. But people forget the Wachowskis. I mean, whatever they're calling themselves now, um, they've made some atrocious films since the Matrix movies. Yes. That's and like the only one that they made. The first Matrix even was the only one that they really made that was like they made good. one other thing before that that was okay. I forget what it was called, but I don't want to confuse it with Crash. Um, and the Matrix wasn't even the directors; it was the cinematography and the special yes. effects that is what made it what it is. And it was. And you know what? Another thing though, that movie gets way overpraised because the movie Blade, which came out a year before, yeah. did a lot of the same stuff, just more rudimentary. It even did Bullet Time. That's true. And uh, and you know, even the the whole mystique, the black leather stuff, and hell, yeah. hey, what didn't Blade do? First Marvel movie, first black superhero movie, first R-rated Marvel movie. Did it all, man. Blade did. Wesley Snipes, where are you? But yeah. And he could do his own stunts. But, uh, yeah, the, the second and the third Matrix movies were atrocious. Speed Racer was atrocious. Jupiter Rising was atrocious. Oh, oh my gosh. D- uh, Jupiter is... Uh, that Ascending, was yeah. Cloud, Al- Cloud, Cloud Atlas. Atlas Cloud terrible. Atlas. Okay, Cloud Atlas is awful, but at least it's ambitious. Yes. It's I'll, not meant to be a movie. No, it was never meant to be a movie, and frankly, like... 
I love the whole I love the whole uh, Keith David could be a Korean thing. <laughs> but the movie's just joyless, unfun, yeah. uninteresting, psychobabble pop. And people ask people ask me what are the what are the three worst movies you've seen in the last ten years? And I always say Jupiter Ascending, Cloud Atlas, and then Wrinkle in Time is the other one I always those are like and two of them are by the Wachowskis. Yeah. I, I just think that I haven't seen V for Vendetta actually, but I think they only wrote that. You got to be careful with Cloud Atlas because it was also directed by uh, what's the other guy's name? Tom Tykwer. Yeah, whatever his name is, the German guy. Uh, Run Lola Run guy. And he did Run Lola Run, which is fun, actually really good. But he got involved with the Shorskis and he's done all this crap. He did that. I think he did that Ninja movie, didn't he? With uh, Rain. Uh, Was that him? I don't know. David, I forget. Which one? Oh man, uh, what was it called? Ninja Assassin, I think. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one with Naomi Harris. Oh man, you know what? Let's here's a good idea for a ninja movie. Let's make a ninja movie in the dark, in the black, have all the characters dress in black, and then put CG rain on them, so we yes. can't see nothing. Perfect. You know, I haven't seen Shang Chi yet, Marvel, but at least you can see it. It looks colorful. It looks generic, yeah. but it looks colorful. So. But go, let's let's go back to summer camp. Let's go back to summer camp. Yeah. So, um, I think we both appreciate. I think you like meatballs better than I do, but I don't hate it. I like it. I had yes. fun watching it. Um, and again, I, I marvel at how good Bill Murray's in it, and and how good of a mentor he is because he's so good in this position. And, and just his comedy style is very much like kind of, like he uses. I mean, he was like. I mean, irony's always been like a source for comedy, but he he really kind of took it to a new level in the '70s with SNL and then the '80s. And I mean, all those SNL guys did Chevy Chase, uh, John Belushi, like all those guys. Really, I think that's what made SNL so great is that oh, yes. they kind of like uh, they kind of put irony on a pedestal, and that's that's the that's kind of what's informed even just today's comedy um, styling. Well. But, but I think, but I, well, as far as meatballs is concerned, I think it lends itself so well because summer camp is everyone always has this love, like you even hmm. said, the love hate relationship with summer camp. And I think Bill Murray's style just really revolves around that type of irony. It makes me also feel that like this is a man who's only ever going to be important in summer camp. Like you, yeah. you get the impression that he's not very good at any anything else in life. And like you know, like you don't know what he does outside of summer camp. Like he doesn't exist outside of summer camp. All his dreams and hopes and aspirations are summer camp, and he and he does it so laconically. Uh, you know, like he does he does the announcements, whatever. Like you can't imagine him doing this when he's like sixty. Yeah. But um, I will say this though: the I love the gag with uh with Morty Melnick, aka Mickey. You know, Harold Aiken. <laughs> Where it's it's not that every you know they put him in like the lake they put him outside you know they put him in these weird places is that they take the time to put the nightstand and all the condiments right there <laughs> so they respect him so they respect him and it's a lot of fun and it's such a PG joke right but it's so funny it's always funny when it happens like for a sex comedy there's there's very little sex but I do want to say one thing before we exit meatballs and it's got to be said and this is not me being woke but. The one joke that didn't age very well, and I just want to get it out of the way, lest we be accused of not talking about it, um, is the scene with uh, Bill Murray, and you know the scene we talked we, yeah. we talked about it with Roxanne, yes. and they have this weird relationship. But there's the one scene when Bill Murray gets aggressive, yeah. and I'm I don't want to say the word date rape because I don't think that's what it is, but it made me a little uncomfortable in the fact that maybe maybe my sense of humor has evolved too that I didn't quite find it very funny. Or maybe the joke wasn't portrayed as funny as it could have been, where it, it starts off as like wrestling, and then it becomes a little 
a little rapey, and then it turns back into a joke. And and I think what and I think what makes it even weirder is her reaction to it is very she's very like she's almost too serious for yes. it to be a comedy bit. Well, I, clip, you know, I clipped it. La- if she was laughing and being like, "Okay, this is the relationship," that's different. But because she was like, "Stop, stop!" Like she yeah. was like upset about it. It was unsettling to watch. It's that every time that part comes on in the movie, I'm I'm like, Ugh, well, I hate to is. say it, but we I think we should describe it. So I have a little clip of some of the audio from it, and so I apologize if anybody's triggered by this, but let me go ahead and just play it because I think it's important that the audience know that we're not minimizing it. But I do want, but I do want to make the point about how a joke can be told funny and how it could be disastrous. And so. Yeah. Let me go ahead and play this little clip right here. Sorry. See, I'm doing. I'm saying y'all and you at the same time. I apologize. I'm like looking at both. Nope, that is not my clip. Maybe I decided that's not a good clip to have. Anyway, we, I seem to have lost the the clip. But let's just say this: it's not a good clip. It's not a good part of the movie. Um, I think it could have been handled a little better. I think we both yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It was definitely misread. I think by everyone involved. Well, I do want to leave Meatballs on a positive note, though, and I, uh, I want to—I did clip my favorite scene in the film. It's, it's at the very beginning, and I think it explains the entire comedy um, uh, comedy style that I think we're going for. Uh, I think you're going to laugh a lot. So let me play this little clip. This is towards the beginning when Bill Murray's character—is it Tripper or Trapper? What's his name? Tripper. Tripper is being interviewed. So you're going to laugh. So sit oh, back. This is great. You like this scene? Okay. It's mislabeled, but here we go. Here we go. These children are going to the most glamorous of all summer camps, Camp Mohawk. There's a two-year waiting list, and every child has to be voted in. On top of all that, it costs $1,000 a week to go to Camp Mohawk. The question is, is it worth $1,000 a week? It sure is. It's the best darn camp there is. Well, are you connected with Camp Mohawk? Well, I think so. I'm the program director, Jerry Aldini. Well, how do you justify $1,000 a week? Well, we have some special programs. Uh, We're doing Shakespeare in the Round again this year, of course. Uh, Our political roundtable, Henry Kissinger, will appear. Yasser Arafat is going to come out, spend a weekend with the kids, just rap with them. That's amazing. And the kids wanted animals, so this year each camper will stalk and kill his own bear in our private wildlife preserve. Are you sure the children can uh, can hack that? We'll see. But the real excitement, of course, is going to come at the end of the summer, uh, during Sexual Awareness Week. We import 200 hookers from around the world, and each camper, armed with only a thermos of coffee and $2,000 cash, tries to visit as many countries as he can. And the winner, of course, is named King of Sexual Awareness Week and is allowed to rape and pillage the neighboring towns until camp ends. That's incredible. What do you expect for $1,000 a week? Hey, you have a good summer, too, huh? So, uh, so this is what I think. Do you tell me if I'm off base? So the reporter is treating it totally seriously, never breaks character, and Bill Murray knows this, and then eventually he just slips this in, and he still thinks it's serious. Yeah. And, and that's he, he what it is. In, he doesn't just start off with the absurd, he devolves into it. You know, it's, one of my favorite Bill Murray performances of all time also involves sort of summer camp. Um, you know, uh, What About Bob? Oh, which, yeah. Which I believe is directed by Frank Oz. Richard Dreyfus. With too, Richard Dreyfus, the second yeah. time we mentioned him. Um, it's a fun movie. I know people don't like this film, but I actually like it quite a bit. And this came out, I think, right before Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea. You, you remember the film where he plays someone with like extreme OCD? Yeah. And he tracks down, and he goes, and he goes to New Hampshire to like Winnipesaukee to track down uh, Richard Dreyfuss' character. And just the way he talks in that film reminds me a lot of how he talks in Meatballs. It's like, like the character of, of Tripper should not yeah. be around anybody. 
he's a danger to himself and everybody else. And but he's hilarious at summer camp. Yeah, he he's very and especially compared to a lot of his other uh, roles at the time, like we'll take Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's kind of more grounded in reality in this one, uh, even though he's just wacky still. But he's he's almost just self aware wacky as opposed to like um, Caddyshack where he's just an idiot or uh, well. Caddyshack, where he gets into a war with a groundhog. Yeah, and he and so, he uh, cleans his apartment with a leaf blower. And by the way, can we just can we just say it? Can we just say it? The best scene in Caddyshack, besides uh, Ronnie Dangerfield, is the scene with the candy bar. <laughs> you know the scene, yeah, right? Yeah, where he eats it in the yeah. pool, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you have the Jaws music playing, <laughs> duty. So, uh, but no, I, I think we all I think we all love Bill Murray in this movie, and I think um, he makes Caddyshack worth watching. And I have no problems recommending. I'm sorry, he makes Caddyshack. I keep saying Caddyshack. I mean meatballs. <laughs> I mean meatballs. Neither, so neither, neither are are names that really uh, embody what's happening. I yeah, guess. I don't know where they got meatballs from. Oh, can I say this last thing? Sure. Uh, the, the music in Meatballs. Um, only the first movie, really. That great theme song. Oh yeah. Are you ready for the summer? No. Meatballs, man. The oh meatballs. Yeah, by that Rick Dees. So you know our you know Chris is gonna splice that in here somewhere in the podcast. So you're gonna but it's just this great meatballs. And it's got this ridiculous lyrics and they just keep going on and on. But yeah. um and I also like the CIT, the campfire song they sing at the end. The that's pretty we catchy. Are the CIT so piteous. You know, you the clap, kids clap. are brats, the food is hideous. It's awesome. Yeah, you need a good rhymey song that's that's yeah. a little dirty, a little dirty, but not too dirty. But um, I got a little trivia for you, though. Uh, where's my trivia over here? My trivia is, so did you know that there's a song in the movie called Making It? Mm-hmm. So Making It from this guy named David Naughton. Now, David Naughton, he was the, he was the Dr. Pepper spokesperson back in the 70s. Yeah. And he had this hit song called Making It, and which is a ridiculous ridiculous song but it plays it plays in meatballs that got him the starring role in american werewolf in london that got him the starring role that's what got it and that's when he was insane. yep that's what got it because he was supposed to have a, a sitcom but the sitcom never made it and so he made american werewolf in london and that was pretty much it for david naughton yeah he's not a, I, I don't know anything else. wasn't there a movie called making it uh it probably is but i don't think it's related but um he was in like an episode of seinfeld but his career mm. never really recovered after that. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Did, um, oh, I was going to ask you. So, did, what did you think? I'm curious. What do you think about Meatballs Part Two? Oh yeah, we're going to go Meatballs Two. Um, I actually, in some ways, prefer it. For, Same for for in the certain, in yeah, certain regards. In it, certain regards. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a better movie, but in some ways, I feel like I can like it's a more fleshed out because there's more of a story. Yeah. Um, that being said, <laughs> it's still stupid. <laughs> and it's got a really interesting cast. It's got Richard Mulligan from Empty Nest, um, yeah. and it's got John Larroquette slumming. Oh, he, he's – I think he's awesome in this movie. No, he's great, but he's he's slumming. And yeah, Paul got, Rubens is great. Yep, good old Pee-wee. And I put Kim Richards as Cheryl, uh, yeah. the worst – the fakest virgin of all time. Because, she has such a weird life, by the way, in real yeah, life. Yeah, I saw that. She's on that Real Housewives show now. Yeah. But what a train wreck. Um but in the movie, she plays this. She plays this so-called innocent virgin. She's biting her lip, and you could. It's like watching a porn movie where she's like, "I've never done this before." 
Yeah, she has like the Catholic schoolgirl skirt on still, like in public. Yeah, and she she's like eighteen years old or seventeen. She doesn't know what a penis is. She calls them yeah. winkies or whatever, and it's just it's ridiculous. Um, by the way, so Meatballs Part Two, which has nothing to do with Meatballs One in any way, shape, or form, uh, has a subplot with an alien. Yeah, the movie I think was originally called like Spaceman or something <sighs> like Space Camper. I don't know, but I. The thing I do like about it is that it has that sub. Well, obviously, that subplot's amazing. Uh, but it has like the it has the three subplots as the campers, the counselors, and then the directors. And it has all three of them, and it balances it pretty well. Um, and it doesn't connect it too much, but it's still somewhat connected enough to justify it. Um, whereas in Meatballs One, the only camper stuff you have is is the. Uh, the uh, stuff with the yeah, That's it's got it. it's got no like YA pretensions. Like it's not trying to connect you like with children in summer camp. All the children here are hustlers. They're trying to sell candy. They're 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 watching their pot smoking friends. Like they're not. Yeah. It's not quite like uh, the bad news bears, but you know you get the idea. But um, the alien. Uh, by the way, can we just say this? The aliens, which are clearly coded as Jewish. <laughs> and they got they got the mods, you know. He's like, oh, "What are you doing over there? You're doing over here." You know, it's it's clearly what they are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's what I was talking about, by the way. The Jewish summer camp, like you're starting to see that a lot in these movies, like like even up to Dirty Dancing, you know, which was a yeah. Jewish summer camp. You know, like your cat skills, right? Yeah, pretty much. And it is what it is. And I think um, there's so many TV shows now about Jewish summer camp, and and I say that and I say that uh, only because it became more exclusive, like. Like, it wasn't like, let's go to summer camp where everyone's the same because we're all going to have bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. It's more like, okay, we're all poor. We're all in the same block. Let's get out of the city for a week and go have some fun in the lake. And I think that's where these movies started losing me is because they became way too exclusive and more less inclusive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, in this movie, like you said, <laughs> you've got the Italian-American guy um, who's, like, 35 years old, <laughs> but he's... He's, you know, he's like he's on the he gets sentenced to become a CIT for the summer because he's a bad boy. Yeah, and or he, he gets to go skinny dipping with his love interest. Yep, skinny dipping, and he, almost. And they're asking like he's on the he's on the bus driven by Pee Wee Herman. Is like, where you like what you been doing? He's like, time. Like, dude, you're supposed to be like sixteen. <laughs> but it's like you got you got like wise guys greasers on, on yeah. this bus to summer camp. Yeah. But they never I know the should. whole movie and the the the, bo- the boxer guy Boomer who I think is really funny actually. Oh, Boomer's pretty funny. I actually thought that was Chris. What's his face from the from Sopranos? But it wasn't. Oh. You know what I mean? He played Christopher. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? I don't know his name, but I know you're talking about. Yeah. He's in all the. He's in so many Spike Lee movies, but it's not. He was pretty funny though. Um, yeah. He's pretty funny. The the whole plot between the star-crossed lovers is actually pretty decent. Um, it's yeah. fun. It is what it is. It's basically Grease. Can we just say that? It's Grease. Yeah, but the humor is pretty – yeah, except better ending. The Grease is so effed up in some regards. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the I do like the humor in, in this movie. It's kind of like has that Zucker, Abrahams – Yeah, it's fun. Type of There's, a lot of fun There's a lot of fun yeah. jokes. There's a lot of fun jokes. Fun characters. The running jokes are really great. So – John Larroquette, though, I gotta say this, is he coded, well, he's definitely coded as gay. Yeah. But is he also a pedophile? Yeah, I th- it's almost like the, the people who made the movie thought that they were not mutual, that they were one and the same. Well, because I want to be clear, so again, people yeah. today don't understand how big a deal John Larroquette was. Yeah. Uh, John Larroquette was one of the most famous people on TV in the 80s. Uh, he played, uh, what's what was his character on Night Court? In Night Court, I never seen Night Court, I don't know. Okay, Night. I believe he still has the record for winning the most Emmys on a TV show. 
Really? But let me see who he played. Yeah, uh, Fielding. Show, he played. Man, he's had like 10 shows. They all got canceled. Yeah. He was in a remake of Faulty Towers. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he played Dan Fielding. And his character is so good on Night Court. It's so good. And I believe uh, the woman the woman on the show just passed away a couple weeks ago. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always trying to, he was always trying to get her in bed. And I remember I remember watching Night Court and he was always trying to get her in bed. I was like, why do they want to why do they just want to sleep in the same bed together? I don't understand because I didn't understand what sex was. And so he made her a bed that if if she loses this bed that she'd go to bed with him because they couldn't say sex. They just said bed. And and he decided that he didn't want to go to bed with her if she didn't want it. So he was a good guy after all. Um, but John Larroquette, he was also slumming in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock at the same time. And so this is this is on the precipice, right when he's about to hit it big. Yeah, same yep. year as Nightcore debuted, I think, right? Go for Yeah, it transformed him. And then he started making awful movies. Like, yeah, uh, awful movies. he didn't transition movies. to film, I don't think, that well. He did not transition. He was like, he was like John Ritter. He, yeah. he made the exact same type of movies John Ritter did. Problem and, Child type of stuff. Yeah, Problem Child or Stay Tuned. Um, yeah. He made that awful movie with uh with uh, what's her face Kirstie Alley. What was it called? The, the Meet the the Meet the Parents or something. But but yeah, a lot of TV stars they couldn't do it. They could not do it. And but this movie feels like a TV movie, doesn't it? A little bit. It does, and um, I it wasn't. It definitely wasn't, which is why I. I I can see why it back in the day it kind of got a bad rap because everyone was like, "Where's Bill Murray? What's happening? This is not Meatballs." But um, I think it holds. I think it holds up really well. There's a lot of movies that are kind of the same ilk that are not this good, like Spaced Invaders, for instance. Oh no! No, no, that was an awful movie. Or like, um, like so, you know, things that try like these really absurd things, and they're it, it's funny because of the like the novelty of it, but it doesn't. It doesn't hold up as a movie this holds up as a movie though like i like it like i actually i watched this one better than i watched because without bill murray you don't really have a movie in the first one but this movie you could take away any main character and you still have a movie um it's not as good like i said it's not a great movie at all but it it, it's more structurally sound it's not reliant on its star and um by the way and this guy who directed meatball suit i didn't know this before i was researching it uh ken weederhorn he went off to do Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Yeah, which is not as good as the first which one. Which is not as good, but, but it's got its moments. Not a bad movie, yeah. Not a, it's got a Michael Jackson zombie. Yeah. And uh, if we ever talk about it, I'll, I have lots of things to say because I do enjoy Part 2 a lot. Yeah. So, But, but going back to Meatballs 2, so the, the, big th- the big premise is that it doesn't really do anything with the, um, the alien. Like, you could take the alien out and you'd still have the same movie for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, so which is weird to say because it's clear like ET made a billion dollars. Let's put an alien in there. Yeah, it's like the selling point, but it doesn't do anything. It, I think the kids. I think that's the most underutilized is the stuff with the kids. I wanted to see more of them. They they had the brother from the Wonder Years, and then they had yeah, the, they did, didn't the they? Twins that kind of gaslight their parents to pretend like they're the the other one. It's pretty funny. Well, the jokes are lame, but they're you know they're lame, and so you're kind of laughing with them. Yeah. You know, it's um. I forget was it what was the movie Top Secret with Val Kilmer? Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert did a review, I think, on Top Secret where he talked about how dumb the jokes were, and he says you laugh twice. You yeah. laugh once at how funny it is, and then you laugh. No, how? No, you laugh at you laugh because it's stupid, and then you laugh at yourself for laughing because how stupid yeah. it was. Um, I do have a clip from Meatballs too. This movie is hard to clip, but it's the aliens because I want you to hear the dialogue of the aliens because I think it's just so funny. 
So here we go. Meatball to aliens. Here we go. Mom, it's really creepy here. I want to go home. But you'll like this camp. Sonny, you'll see. But it's not even in our solar system. Hey, don't you want to earn your Earth merit badge? Yes, Dad. Then what's to talk? No, Sonny, it looks like rain, so be sure to wear your little raincoat, dear. But I don't want to wear Earth clothes. That's nonsense, son. You're going to be just fine. You'll see. Listen to this. Who spent 325 gemokas on English lessons for you? You, Dad. So, kiss your mother goodbye. Goodbye, dear. <laughs> and be careful from the poison ivy. Okay. Like, you could see Mel Brooks doing something like this. You oh, could, yeah. with the same voice, you know? Yeah, it was totally a Mel Brooks uh, type, type of uh, like a, thing. Do you remember when um, Mel Brooks made, uh, was it Spaceballs? No, was it Spaceballs? No, it was a History of the World Part Two when he made Jews in Space. Oh, yeah. And he reused that same song in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of like when uh, Jim Henson would make Pigs in Space. Yes. Like, you just take this concept and you play with it as far as it goes. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say RIP to Felix Silla, who played Meathead, the alien, who passed away this year. He passed away in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, <laughs> none of his, uh, none of his um, obituaries mentioned Meatballs Part 2, but they all mentioned that he played uh, Cousin It in The Addams Family, and he also played an Ewok in Star Wars. Huh. So, but no, he's always Meathead to me. Yeah, he's always <laughs> meathead to me. But uh, um, in the new Adams yeah. Family movies, it's uh, Snoop Dogg who plays Cousin It. What? Yeah, and it's not very good. I do it's not an like. One yeah, I do not like those movies. But I'll say this: yeah. um, it's Snoop Dogg, but he records his dialogue and they play it back backwards. So if you play it reverse, you can hear what he's actually saying. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, but other than that, those movies are not good. So yeah, I haven't seen them. So not good. Another summer camp movie too, Adam's Family Values. Yeah, I put that on my list. Adam's, by the way, Adam's Family Values is better than the first one. Oh my gosh! In spades, I think it's. Fin- I think it's the first one sets the the world really yes. well, but the second one is where the story is a lot of fun. By the way, the and that's when I what I just said was not to demean the first one at all. No, I no, love yeah. love the first one, but the second one is is a better ver- like to me. I think the same thing uh, as with. Um, uh, what is it? What am I talking about? Uh, what's the movie with Mike Myers? Uh, Halloween? No, no, uh, no. Mike Myers, the comedian. Oh, Austin. No, not Austin, Austin Powers. Powers. The one he did before that. I, I can't believe I'm not remembering right now. This is driving oh, Wayne's crazy. World. Wayne's World 2. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wayne, I think oh, oh Wayne, yeah, totally. Yeah, yes. Wayne's World 2, I think, is the better film. Um, yeah. I think it's funnier, but I understand why people like the first one more. Yeah, first one's good, too. Yeah, yeah. Adam's Family Values is a lot. Oh, fun, and I think I think it's pretty much the popular consensus that the second one's better. Yeah, than the first one and I'm su- one. and I'm surprised they never really went off. I I guess it's because um, what's uh, Raul Julia passed away after making Street yeah. Fighter, and I will say this though the, the animated versions not very good, but Oscar Isaac's pretty good as Gomez. <laughs> I gotta say that, but Charlie yeah. Theron is not good as Morticia. Sorry. Yeah, you can't. I mean, Angelica Houston's like the benchmark. Oh, they were no no offense. Those two were perfect. Yeah, like. I love Angelica Houston and Raul Julia. As Plus Christopher Lloyd. Oh, um, yes. Christopher Lloyd. Again. Second time this podcast. Is Madeline Kahn in that movie? Madeline Kahn? No, uh, no but uh, what's-her-face? Joan Cusack is. 
Oh yeah, she plays the the evil yeah. ex, the widow, the Black Widow. Yep, in the second one. I yeah, think. that's right. But you're right though. Christopher Lloyd is awesome in that movie. He's really good. He's really good. Now he's playing Rick and Morty. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's not much of a story. Long story short, people want to see Winkies and Pinkies because we can't say penis. Um, there's not much summer camping though. That's the thing. Yeah, I do. I will say, I I wish that there was more like kind of antics. There's a couple of little pranks here and there. Um, there's the I w- I almost wish it had just given in. Oh, like you said, the alien wasn't the forefront. It was kind of just there. It's it, it could have given into the over the zaniness. I think a little bit more. They did. Um, they did. This is painfully unfunny thing where uh, John Larroquette is the sideman to this military commander man who runs his own military theme summer camp and there's got to be competition but they don't really do anything with it and it never really amounts to anything and it all comes to a boxing match yeah and, um, yeah and the boxing match is kind of fun because that's the only time the alien ever plays into effect where uh the character starts wearing a dress and flying around and that's kind of fun i'm not gonna lie to you, i laughed at that uh, John Larroquette's Yes, I saw that. I was going to say, he's like, hmm, he <laughs> saved the dress. But, yeah, so I don't know what he is. Is he gay? Is he a pedophile? Is he transgender? He's all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, it's very ambiguous. Um, yeah. And then you have Paul Rubens, who I think is a little underutilized, but every time he's there, it's pretty awesome. He just, I think they literally just said, do whatever the yeah. heck you want to do. Because this is right before Pee Wee hit a big, like oh yeah, like the year or two before Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, I, I would say he's he would probably think he's slumming in this movie, but he's funny. Um, yeah. But he's not Pee Wee though. He's trying to be something else, and God bless him because he would spend the next forty years trying to get away from Pee Wee. Yeah, he does the middle finger a couple times. At least he doesn't do that ah, ah, voice. Like he he came so close to doing it. He came so close to doing it. Um, but no, I, I like the movie. It's got some good songs in it too. Not as good as the first yeah. movie. But not connected in any way, shape, or form. But I think uh, we both—I think we both like Meatballs too. I think if you like the first one, I don't know if you'd like the second one. But if you like the second one, I don't know if you like the first one. They're not really the same. Yeah, I, I think it's just impressive how good it is without Bill Murray. And obviously, it wasn't meant to be a Meatballs movie. But um, you know, someone wrote this movie and was like, "Ah, oh, cool! <laughs> this is like a bizarre movie. I want to make it." And then the studio's like halfway through. Yeah, we're gonna make it. We're gonna call it Meatballs Part Two, and um, after they bought it, I guess that's what happened. But well, uh, you know what's funny though? Like Meatballs One was not a big hit. It was an enormous, giant, like world-crushing hit. Like it was. It made yeah. so much money. It was so successful. But I think all the principal people left. But no one talks about it anymore. No. Like it was successful. Like people, you you look on. I, I mean, I'm on Letterboxd a lot, and you mm-hmm. go to Harold Ramis's filmography, and and they order it by how popular the movie is. Meatballs is like the um, twelfth thing on the list. I'm like, what in the world? Well, no one talks about meatballs anymore. Well, there's a good reason for it, though. You're not going to like it mm-hmm. because it's obsolete. Like yeah. that's the thing, though. It it was it was that influential. It was that good. I mean, it was that influential. But unfortunately, it was so eclipsed by what came after it. Yeah. Um, you almost you it's it's kind of like a, a more extreme version of the Terminator films, where I mean we love the first I mean I don't know how you yeah. feel about Terminator one but I love the first Terminator, but mm-hmm. the success of the sequel was so overwhelming and so so monstrously better like performance wise. Oh man, yeah. That I would gather I would if I had to do a for, uh, informal survey I would say eighty percent of the people who saw the sequel never saw the first one. Like and you don't have to that's the good part you that's don't have the fun to part of it yeah but then but then it it created this whole schism. Where people think they have to defend the first one. Well, I think the first one's better, you know. And sure, you could think that if you want, but you're sure. in the minority. You know, it's oh yeah, it's the way it goes. It's just it's an opinion, but it's 
your opinion can be uh, influenced by by how popular something is. Yeah, the first one had a cool concept, but the second one um, was just an amazing movie, regardless of the concept. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I and I think the people who are, I think the people who love the concept like just more than the movies themselves, I think will like the first one more than the second one. But I think the second one, um, for me, it's not even the the Terminator concept is all right, but the second movie is just so phenomenal that it doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, it could it's, be any concept. It's a top three cinematic experience I've ever had, and I don't think I I don't think I'll ever see a, a movie in the cinema that's as impactful to me. I would love to have seen that in the theaters. It'll come back. It, it comes back every couple of years. Yeah. But um, I'll say this, though. But, yeah, I, to me, I mean, you could almost say Terminator is almost just the second movie because I, as much as I love the first one, it's it's so dated in certain ways, which I love. I love the stop motion. But the the second movie encapsulates the first movie so well, you don't, you don't need it. Yeah. And I know that sounds terrible, but you don't need it. And you don't need any of the sequels. You know, like, they, they don't help. They all dilute. And that's the problem. And you know, but you know what sequels don't dilute the movies? Meatball sequels, because they have nothing to do with it. And so let's move on to Meatballs three. Um, and this is the this is where I kind of jump ship because says no one ever in their entire lives. Let's move on to Meatballs. Let's 3. move on that, to Meatballs three. This has never been spoken before, and it will never be spoken well, again. Because this movie's been completely forgotten. It's been erased from history. It's like it's like you're a Chinese celebrity, and you and you say something bad against the party, they erase you. Yes, you're gone. You're you're. You just... can't even you can't find it. You can find no. Meatballs four before you can find Meatballs three. Meatballs three is hard. I won't lie to you. Um, I had to watch it. It's on YouTube as of this yeah. recording. You can watch it. On, you can watch a really crappy version on YouTube. But be, being in high definition is probably not going to make this movie any better. Um, I watched a very bad version of it, and it, I think it affected the movie. Um, by the way, Meatballs four I watched on you. It got taken down uh, while I was watching it. Is if that's weird. Uh, it's like they don't want it. Maybe they're trying to, they're trying to say it. Maybe it's like I, a, I set off the alarm. Maybe. Well, maybe it's like a celebrity, like who had some porno pictures in their past, and they're trying to like erase them from the internet. Um, but I'll say this: uh, Meatballs, Meatball, is it Meatballs Three? Summer Job, okay. Directed by George Mendeluk, who I don't know from anything. Uh, let's see here. It came out in nineteen. I want to make sure I get this right. Nineteen eighty-six. Uh, this is the only one that's even tacitly connected, only only because there's like two lines of dialogue. Yeah. And so, starring Patrick Dempsey, aka McDreamy, uh, himself as Rudy, as the grown-up Rudy who looks nothing like the Rudy from the original film, or yeah. nothing. Give us a little synopsis. Uh, Rudy <laughs> Gurner, which I didn't even know what his last name was, played by Patrick Dempsey. He goes to. Um, is it? It's not. I, I almost say Crystal Lake. It's not North Star, is it? No, it's uh. They're at a. They're at a like a. What, what would you call it? water park? Something. Well, that's right. That's right. Um. Uh. So yeah. So well, let me let me start out. There's a porn star that that okay. gets denied. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Hold on. You just you can't just jump into there because <laughs> just like Meatballs Two, where you have this summer camp movie, there's also an alien. So yeah. here you have this movie that's set place at a marina, but there's also a dead porn star. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's like it's like it's a wonderful life, but the and uh, and uh, Rudy is the George was George Bailey and Roxy DeJour, the porn star, is the angel who needs to. She's denied entrance into heaven unless she can help deflower on Earth. Yeah, let's just say um, it. Devirginate someone. Yeah, it makes no sense if you know anything about like dogma, 
but um, <laughs> uh, or the Bible or anything. Yeah, but you know, but, there's a there's a line of dialogue that's pretty fun at the beginning. Where like, I didn't expect it to look like this, and and Peter's like, it looks oh, it looks like whatever you think it should look like. like oh, this movie's way too deep. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the deepest this movie ever gets. Yep. Um, and yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, it's and so um, yeah. So root. So she she somehow finds Rudy who's working at a uh, the summer the summer resort yeah and um, Roxy uh, helps him lose his virginity <laughs> sure well she tries yeah. but she keeps screwing it up yeah, um, and so and so uh, there's a, and then so there's the mean mean gene is the the uh, what is he even is he like the he okay can we just spoil it for you mean gene okay his name's gene mean gene. And he's basically this biker stereotype, but instead of bikes on the water, he's this big, leathery, hairy man who everyone fears because he's such a badass who owns the marina, I think. And there's mm-hmm. the love goddess, who I didn't know was played by Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed, yeah. Yeah, go go, uh, go, Gene uh, – is it Gene Simmons is her husband? The Gene. kiss guy? George Booza. George Booza. I don't know. Like All I know is Shannon Tweed was a sex goddess. Of the, she was the – she should yeah, have played the porn star. She should have been the porn star. Yeah, that instead it was like this. They wanted it to be an aging porn star, so it was Sally Kellerman. Now Sally Kellerman, who gives one of the worst performances I've ever seen, yeah. she do, she tries to be playful. She tries to be this angel, like um, you know, the typical like no one can see me, only you can see me. I can affect things. Yeah, which was also a big genre back in the eighties, by the way. Like you yeah, know, yeah, I'm trying to think of another one that had that. Oh, uh, there's one with uh, Paul Hogan where he played an angel. I think it's called Where No Angels. Uh, I forget what it's called, but there's so many. There's so many, and um, I think Warren Beatty was in one as well. But yeah, the people who the people who make Meatballs Three have never seen porn before because nothing about this movie has any relation to, to pornography. Like she, like her, she plays the porn star like she's like she's winning an Oscar for this. Like, yes. the way she acts, like, oh, you should have seen my last picture. And she makes these horrible jokes about coming and I'm going at the same time. <laughs> and it's like, that's not how porn is made. It's like, oh, it was a classic. I do this and that. And it's like, you're not – that's not what porn is. Yeah. You're not porn. No. Yeah, yeah. There, and then there's a fr- – there's, there's, like, a girl that he likes, but some – like, no, everyone wants to get to the love goddess. Yeah. And then he – everyone – it's like the – there's, like, the, you know, the – the cool guys think that they're going to do it, and then they keep failing. And yeah. And Patrick Dempsey's, you know, he ends up, you know, uh, having more success than... It's exactly what you think it is, and it ends yeah. exactly like you think it ends. And yeah. I'll say this. Let's just get this out of the way. We talked about this before the show. Patrick Dempsey is supposed to be playing this nerd. Now, something happened in the 1980s. Every time... They made a nerd. The nerd was always some hot person, like some hot guy. Like, if you look at all the nerds from the 80s, except even Revenge of the Nerds, like, who'd you have? You had River Phoenix. You had Patrick Dempsey. You know, you had, um, who was, uh, who was Rudy? Oh, uh, Sean Astin. Was it Sean Astin? Okay, yeah. well, he's not, he's, he's okay. But no, who is, uh, who's the guy who played, uh, the football kid? Not, not Rudy. Um, uh, who was, who was the other guy? Uh, we just talked about him. Uh, remember? No, not Tom. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I'm a nerd. I read books and stuff. No, you remember we're talking about, uh, who's the star of, uh, Meatballs 4? Oh, uh, yeah, Corey Feldman. Okay, who's the other Corey? 
Corey Haim. Oh, uh, Corey Haim. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Lucas, right? I think it was the movie Lucas. So you yes. have all these, all these, right. all these attractive guys playing nerds. No. Yeah. Or how about explorers? Again, River Phoenix playing a nerd. No. Yeah. Not not happening. You know, like I'm sorry, I I was one of those kids. We didn't look like that. So <laughs> it's like, no, you can't do this. You can't make the nerds attractive. There's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know what it's like it's, when you that's mean no it's true it's like in the 90s when they had all the unattractive girls with glasses oh yeah like this she's all that she's all thing. that by the way it's like oh my god what, what do they call that in teen movie they say the uh the hot ugly girl yeah the girl you take yeah take off her glasses and exactly and she's hot. yeah and i love these movies you know why because they don't understand how males work the male is not gonna be like oh damn She's wearing glasses. I'm not attracted anymore. No, guys are attracted to park benches, okay? They'll be attracted to anything. Yeah, or like the girl next door. Like, there's a movie called Trojan War where Jennifer Love Hewitt plays the best friend girl, and the guy has to realize that he's in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'm like, has to realize what, what is happening in this movie right now? Yeah, yeah. it just defies reality. <laughs> you know, it's like if you put like Rebel Wilson in the, in the role, sure. yeah, that would be a little more believable. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the movie Shallow Hal when they had Gwyneth Paltrow in the fat suit, yes. but 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 only but they cheated because he could see her inner beauty when she was smoking hot. Yeah, like no, he, in order for that to work, he'd have to see her as ugly too. Yeah. Like it doesn't That's work true. when he when she looks hot. So yeah, where it does work really well actually is uh, Deuce Bigelow, where his his girlfriend doesn't have a leg. Really? Yeah. That's a good movie, actually. Is that the? It's so did they make? Dated, did they make two of? The, there was two of yes. them, right? Yeah, European. Yeah. Why, <laughs> like, well, They're Rob Schneider's okay. But yeah, but Rob that? Schneider, Rob Schneider's okay. Yeah. Um, but I going, like Rob Schneider. but going back to this movie, so you got Sally Kellerman as the porn star who can freeze time and give him all this advice. Oh yeah, that's right. She can freeze time. That's I forgot. Uh, but can I be honest about something? I was a little surprised. Hmm? Patrick Dempsey's pretty good in this. Uh, yeah, like he he, is, he's, I, he gives a good see, performance. He's funny in yeah. this. You can see the star power, I think, in it. And um, there's literally this movie. It's I pretty much I, I like the fourth one pretty good. Pretty um, pretty with, good. You you like it pretty good, huh? I like it pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I I like it pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm going to the Italian American summer camp. Sorry. Hey, hey, uh, but yeah, I like the fourth one. Uh, the third one, I is I, maybe it was just the quality was so bad um, when I watched it, like the picture quality. But um, I'm not. I really it, there's so much about it, and it has that stupid thing where it's like, oh, dude, like the girl you like is definitely uh, more. It's like, that's exactly right, right in front of you. Yep. that whole thing. It's just frustrating plot points. Um, you know. Well, you know what's funny though. So the the porn star. Every time he's about to get laid by, like, the town slut or something, or the old woman, she says, you don't want to waste your time on that. Like, this movie has a very, very poor value of women. I'll say this. Yes. Like, if, if you're promiscuous, you have no value. You, people are going to waste their life on you. If you're older, you're you're too old. Like, you have to be perfect in this movie. And, <laughs> and honestly, it's a really bad message. And, you know what I mean? It's a really terrible, terrible message. And it's not funny. Like, that's the thing. It's not played for laughs. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, th- I think the earlier sex comedies like Meatballs or, or Animal House, I think why they st- – I think you can still find a charm in the fact that they are relatively more innocent, especially Meatballs, than um, than uh, something like this or like 
screwballs or um, I'm trying to think of another like Porky's or something where it's like yeah this these are they're they're so fixated on trying to get like the TNA that they lose sight of any sort of charm that well, they can have elsewhere. You know what's funny? I, I told you that like uh, meatballs was uh, obsolete, right? Well, I have another example for you. Like for a very long time, the definitive sex comedy was Porky's. Yes. Like Porky's was huge, but Porky's became obsolete when American Pie came out. Like no yeah. one ever talks about Porky's anymore, and American Pie sort of elevated the genre to something new and exciting. Yeah. At least the first one did, mm-hmm. and then it degenerated into nonsense. But yeah. But you see, you you can have you can have sex comedy and you can have sweet tenderness in the same movie, and it can work, and yeah. it and it actually can work quite well. But but in something like um, in something like uh, Meatballs Three, I think the movie is so poorly made and poorly directed, like none of the jokes land, because like like they'll tell a joke and the camera will stay put way too long. It's not funny. <laughs> Yeah, the filmmaking is pretty uh, bad. It's awful. pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The the guy I, I looked up, he's like a TV director mostly. I think the movie that he did guy? one movie I've ever heard of other than this. Well, he's done all these crappy movies, and then in 2017 he returns with this movie that I had to look twice because I didn't think it was real. So he does these horrible <laughs> sex comedies, and then he does this movie, uh, you know, a period, you know, a period of famine. What is it? what is this? Let me let me just describe this for you. It's called Bitter Harvest, right? About the man-made genocide in 1930s Ukraine. Like, how do you go from sex marina comedy to this? Is it an American film? I don't know. A lot of it these sound like an American. Film. A lot he did of that movies. Deck the Halls movie 12 years before that. He, he apparently releases a movie every t- 10 to 20 years. What is it? He went from Meatballs 3 in 1986 to Deck the Halls in 2005, which was not the Deck the Halls that I thought it was. No. I thought there was the Danny, De- Danny DeVito movie. That would have been it's better. Not. If anything with yeah. Danny DeVito was in it, it would be better than this. But but I'll say this. So yeah. go back to Patrick Dempsey, though. A couple of years later, he'd be in another sex comedy called Loverboy, yeah. which I've actually never seen, but I've seen the box for it. Where he, kind yeah. of, he kind of plays a gigolo. He kind of plays a gigolo. Where he goes to women's was, houses, has sex with them. Was he in class, or was that Rob Lowe? Which one? Class, where the with the one with the guy he falls in love with his mom. His I think his friend falls in love with his mom, not him. But there's a no offense, dude. There's a lot of movies in the '80s where young teenagers fell in love with moms. That's true. Um, I mean, yeah, the graduate type of thing. But no, um, what was that? Class? But, I don't think I think it was Rob Lowe. I but used Rob to, Lowe, I get, man. Rob Lowe was in everything back then. Yeah, but can be, yeah. He's yeah, um he's be. become a funny guy too. He's become a he's become fun again. Yeah, I like I like Rob Lowe. Um and Patrick Dempsey, I think I'm not a fan of Grey's Anatomy. I can't believe that show's still on. It's awful. Um, but I know he was in. I saw him in Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Yeah, he's good. He's like the bad guy in that. Yeah, he's the bad guy, and he's pretty. He's he's pretty good in it. Like he's yeah, he's I, a decent actor. But he's, he's like, you know how like the Marvel movies are going to be doing like multiverses now. Mm-hmm. Patrick Dempsey is like the multiverse George Clooney. Like they both come from these these shows these these hospital shows and they both went off and joined Hollywood and had really different careers. Yeah, like but no, see, but see, George Clooney he started on ER though, yeah, that was his start. Uh, that he that was his starting role, but he was in Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. I think oh, it was. Yeah. Speaking of bad movies, um, he was in that, and I think he was in Golden Girls for like an episode. Interesting. Yeah, and Dempsey yeah. was in Sex Comedy, so they they're both in shitty. Uh, 80s movies. I think Dempsey's better. No, Dempsey's Dempsey's much better. I 
George Clooney's fun, but he takes himself too seriously. Yeah. And when he does that, I can't watch him. He's great in, like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, where he's just this goofball. Um, he's great in, in, like, you know, certain movies he's really good. The Descendants, I, I think he's good in that movie. Um, he's but, he's good when he lightens up. Yeah. He's just not the – he's just boring, I think. You know what he is? He modeled his career after Warren Beatty. That's pretty clear. Yes. And – Warren I mean, Beatty, though, you know? but Warren because Warren Beatty could do things like Dick Tracy. Or he could do Reds. Oh yeah. Or he could do like I just told you, he did an Angel movie, right? He could do these things and he'd be fun. And Warren Beatty, I have never seen Warren Beatty give a bad performance. Never. He's oh, Warren Beatty's great. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde's one is I think one yep. of the and he's always fun. That, that's one. Of, I mean, that started the new wave, but that's one of the best movies of the new wave i think of that era but even you ever see ishtar he's good in ishtar ishtar's <laughs> no, fun i haven't seen ishtar no but it's like he's got that voice he's got that like hey what yeah. am i doing you know he could he could do sarcasm he knew how to control his voice and george clooney is so serious you just feel like you gotta like my movie huh gonna like my movie watch my movie it's pretty good oscars they're coming you know it's just he doesn't <laughs> he feels like you have to, it's a chore yeah yeah and, warren Beatty's fun and he's super charming i mean he's one of the few guys who who is really good looking, but he can be hysterical and really good serious actor. I mean, look at Bullworth; that movie's ridiculous. Yep, Bullworth um, is fun. Um, yeah, to me, fun. to me, I think George Clooney thought he could age into Cary Grant, and yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, and I think, but I think people almost treated him like he could too. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big problem. But can, can you ever see George Clooney doing Bullworth? Or no. something like that. Like, I could never imagine him doing something that um, ridiculous. A little close was when he was in Hail Caesar. Yeah, that's the closest he'll ever like, get. Like, I like George Clooney. He's just, but again, yeah. the Coen brothers. He will never do it unless it's with the Coen brothers, I yeah, don't Yeah, he, like, he feels like he's, like, stealing their style a little bit, if I can be honest with you, like, his directorial style. Because I know he's he's indebted to the Coens. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I said, I uh, look... I think I'm on Patrick Dempsey's side here, but I understand. I understand the need for George Clooney in the world. But yeah, let's do it. Let's do a Twitter poll. Let's do a Twitter poll. But I'll say this though: I don't think George Clooney and his uh, white afro would have been good in the 1980s in Meatballs Three. No, I think it just no. he would he would have been it would it wouldn't have been as good. And and Patrick Dempsey's charming. He's got good physical comedy. Like when she's telling him to walk straight and everything, it's fun. He's good in the and, movie. And he is a lot more believable as a nerdy guy, I think, than. Than, uh, than a lot of these guys. I think he kind of has the facial structure. He could kind of look a little dorky um, if he wanted to, well, more I, believably. See, one last thing is that you have to remember the definition of handsome changed. It changed a couple times. It changed in like late 60s when Dustin Hoffman became a big star. Yeah. It changed in the 1980s when Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis mm-hmm. became stars, like for whatever – like. And now today, if you look at like the actors today, they all look very effeminate. The Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Thing. Like you put him against like Chris Hemsworth, like night and day. Um, yes, yes. But but I feel like they're trying to push Timothy Chalamet. Like I don't see any, like on the ground level, my ears on the ground. I'm talking to the girls. They don't really care about Timothy Chalamet. He's not. Maybe ten, twenty years ago, he would have been like competing with Leo. But today, like having a male actor that looks almost like an androgynous woman I don't think is going to go over well I think I think you're going to have people like who's the kid who plays Spider-Man oh Tom Holland Tom Holland I think you're going to have that that uh, gee whiz gee willikers kind of 
honestness. Or you're going to have the Chris Hemsworth. You're going to have the big beefy guys. But yeah. I, I don't think there's any room for, you know, basically a male Tilda Swinton. I love, I love. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you add all these alternate names to his Wikipedia page, please? <laughs> also known as. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but I just, you know what I mean. I look at him and I everything. Am. I'm I like, think he's a terrible actor. I'm like, if you looked at uh, who's the guy who plays Loki? Oh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. He's great. Tom Hiddleston looks like. Timothy Chalamet's cooler older brother. He's like okay. He's the guy who has like a time a timeless look. I think he's I great. Think he would have been. I think he would have been attractive in the '60s and he and, and even now. He well, even, yeah, he has that old school look. You know what's great though is like he, there was no 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 uh, absolutely no forethought that his uh, Loki was going to be a major major pull. No, and it's just the sheer nature of his persona that made yeah. that character popular. Kind of like Chris Hemsworth. Like I don't think Chris Hemsworth made Loki. Uh, made uh, what are you going to call it? Um, cool. Thor popular. I think he was just the actor who looked the part. But it's pretty clear that Tom Hiddleston was a breakout star from that. He was the only breakout star from that movie. Yeah. And and as much as you know, Chris Hemsworth is okay. He's I think he's funnier than people give him credit for. But he's more generic in a way. You know, where yeah. Hiddleston is a genuinely good actor. Like he was, and, he was like uh, a Robert Downey Jr. What Robert Downey Jr. did for Tony Stark and Iron Man, mm-hmm. but like the evil twin version. You see this a lot. Like you saw that with Hugh Jackman with Wolverine. Oh, man. You know, like you, the actor makes the role. It happens. Yes. And so, but but unfortunately, Patrick Dempsey could not make Rudy work. He was the second actor to play the role, and <laughs> he couldn't make it work either. As a, who was the first actor? We we said Chris we didn't. Makepeace. If Chris, yeah, Makepeace Chris Makepeace can't make Rudy work, no one can. And I'm surprised, you know, they didn't try to make that character Rudy in, in Meatballs 4, because I'll be honest with you, I don't have anything else to say about Meatballs 3. Um, I think it's a, sh- a really bad film. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's, it, it, it's almost not even a movie, if not for the kind of well, again, premise. Like, I don't think anybody in this movie understands what sex is. Like, there's a few moments when you, because this is a rated R film, by the way. This is rated R. Yeah. This thing could be on the Disney Channel, to be honest with you. There's nothing sexy in this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any any T's or any A's. And when people talk about them, they talk about like T's, like they're balloons. And and when you actually see a sex scene, you just see the car bouncing up and down, and you hear people go, "Oh, oh!" I was like, "What are they doing? That's not sex." <laughs> like, what are they doing? Are they doing yoga in that car? Because it wouldn't work like that. That's not real, and it's not funny. And you can't laugh if it's not funny. Yeah, that's the, the problem. One, you'd like the fourth one, I think. And the fourth one is very much, uh, it's it's. Uh, summer camp movie, but with sex comedy elements, and I think it's the only sex one of comedy the... elements. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the only one of the four <laughs> that actually can be classified as a sex comedy, um, in the same way that uh, uh, Animal House can be classified as a sex comedy. Like it's a movie about uh, a fraternity war, but with well, um, you I know, look at the box. I look at the box cover, and it's also the first box cover not to have that cool like Drew Struzan like hand drawn look. Yep, just got a photograph. Yeah. It looks like. I hate to say it, it looks like an early '90s movie. Yeah, you know. So, so yeah, tell, it looks exactly like an early so t- '90s. Movie. So tell us a little bit about Meatballs. For I have not seen the film. Haven't not for lack of trying. I'm not going to pay to yeah, watch it's, it. So. It's hard. Like I said, it got taken down. I had to go find it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to track down unless you want to watch it on like VHS. Uh, unless you want to watch it on VHS. Mm. Um, but it's it's so yeah. I'll just tell you something real quick about it. It's um it's filmed in up by Yosemite, which is kind of fun. Uh, if you've ever been to Yosemite, it's really pretty. 
so Corey Feldman plays this water skiing instructor who is <laughs> hired to save um, the summer camp, which again, I can't remember these camp names all blended, but it's there to save the summer camp. And um, who's that's uh, $200,000 worth of debt. And um, uh, Jack Nance uh, actually plays the camp owner. Neil Peterson, and he's awesome in it. Jack Nance, of course, was uh, the main character from Eraserhead. And you know what? I was just talking about Eraserhead today uh, because you know the new Dune movie is coming out. Yeah. And speaking of Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> um, yeah. But the original was directed by David Lynch, and mm-hmm. we were talking about um, you know full disclosure. Popstar is going to be. I think we just uh, we just put a review for the original Dune. You have to look on the website. Oh, cool. But um, Eraserhead has the grossest puppet yeah ever made for a black and white film yeah it's very gross. it's disgusting i love the baby, it baby the baby alien puppet thing yeah, yeah. and david really lynch good. and david lynch gave up star wars to do dune yeah go figure um, i'm glad he didn't do star wars yeah uh, me too there was a second one right uh third one return of the jedi oh, third one uh, yeah maybe that would have been interesting actually um but jack yeah. nance yeah so jack nance plays the camp owner who's two hundred thousand dollars in debt to uh, Sarah Douglas, who I don't know if you – you know Sarah Douglas from Superman, um, Ursa. Ursa. Are you talking about yeah. – wait. She was uh, the lady uh, in Superman 2, right? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, lo- I love I love her. She's got that yeah. that timeless, like, short bob haircut I like. Yep. So. Yeah, she's the villain. So she's the villain, the villain in, uh, in uh, Meatballs 4, uh, which Jesus. also was retooled. It was originally called Happy Campers, and it was it was retooled during filming to be a Meatballs movie. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun movie. And, and so yeah, so Corey Feldman tries to save the camp, and he comes back um, from Sarah Douglas's camp, which is the rival camp. And uh, he used to be the the rec leader there, and now he's the rec leader at this camp. They stole him because he doesn't want to work for Sarah Douglas anymore. And uh, he basically teaches everyone. He's 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 very much. The Bill Murray, like, I'm cool because I say I'm cool. I'm cool because I want to be cool. Like, you know, he's probably not cool in his high school, but he's cool here type of vibe. He very much establishes that, obviously not as well as Bill Murray, but he's good. And um, he's got some really good lines. And, uh, yeah, and he just, you know, coaches them to victory. And there's some amazingly shot water skiing movies. The editing is kind of rough at some Mm -hmm. points, but... But the moments that they capture are really, really fun, um, e- even just isolated as that. But the movie itself is really entertaining. Um, there's this other guy. His actor name is Johnny Cocktails, which I'm not <laughs> <laughs> His real name is Brad Grunberg, Grunberg which he'll later uh, become known as. But he plays this guy named Victor Thigpen, who's like the fat uh, archetype character, who's like awesome, actually. He's like this really innocent guy. Who he at one point he literally just yells, "I have a boner." Um, Is he fat? He's fat, right? Yeah, he's like legitimately fat. Victor Thigpen. Um, it's it's a fun movie though. It's it's got this really. It has this really weird relationship with protagonists and antagonists, and like at some point, you're not even sure who's bad and who's not. Uh, almost like inadvertently. Uh, it's a really interesting movie to watch, and uh, um, it's one that I would watch again. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know what's funny? You get these things, you get these sequels that aren't supposed to be part of it, and you almost feel like uh, they'd be better if they weren't beholden to the brand. Like yeah. uh, like I felt that way about the Solo movie, where 
I felt like if this was not a Han Solo movie, if this was an original character, this movie would have been a lot more fun. But instead, it has all these um, tie, like all these forced ties, and it mm-hmm. feels like they weighed the film down. Like this, this could have been a perfectly fun movie that I would have enjoyed more if it if it didn't make me do so much homework. Well, because it kind of also undermines who yeah. Han Solo was exactly in the first movie. Like he was this this like uh, it adds uh, nothing to it. It adds nothing to the mythology, yeah. and it and it what it does it demystifies everything. And yeah. sometimes movies do that now, like remakes, like uh, when. J.J. Uh, Abrams remade Star Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Into Darkness. When he, it was basically a cold remake of The Wrath of Khan, The Wrath of Khan is a far better movie than Into Darkness in every way that matters. But all the stuff that was mysterious and cool and transitory was was eliminated from the remake because the audience is stupid and everything needs to be explained. Like, and this is how Han Solo got his got his you know his dice. This is how he got his name. You didn't know that, did you? That you didn't. Yeah, you didn't either. You made it up. Your fan fiction. Like you're just making this crap up. Like yeah. you're not clever. It's yeah, not definitely, funny. Definitely, if it was, yeah, Solo was a fun movie, but tied to Star Wars, it was less. Yeah, it and, was uh, less weight behind it. And, and, it tr- and it turns out, like the actor, the lead actor is pretty fun. Like he, yeah. he wasn't Harrison Ford, but he shouldn't have been. Yeah. And everybody yeah, thought he was good. everybody thought Donald Glover was going to be the star. No, he was terrible. He was the worst part of that. He movie, was the worst part of it. He's the worst part of a lot of stuff, and I'll just come out and say it. I'm sorry. Childish Cambino's not a good rapper. But no, Jack Nance though. I will I will try to see this film and you should see it. I'm curious if you like it. The the writer and director is the same person, which is doesn't happen a lot in sex comedies. Hmm. It was directed and written by this guy named Bob Logan. Bob Logan actually I, I've seen some of his a, stuff. I've seen some yeah, of his stuff. I saw it repossessed. Oh yeah, yeah, repossessed. He was a stand up writer for um like Rodney Dangerfield, Gary Shanling. Um, Sam Kinison, huh? Sam Kinison, yeah. He he uh he was and the jokes in here are they're pretty. There's some pretty funny jokes in here. Um, I wrote I like to write down like one liners when I hear them, and there were a lot of one liners <laughs> I was writing down in this one. Oh. Uh, this was the first time I had seen Meatballs four, mm-hmm. and for a '90s a 1990s sex comedy, um, there's not a lot of good ones. This one is. Poor. This one might be the best one I've seen, actually, as well, far as just strict. And, and this is I'm talking pre-American Pie. Let me say um, this. Let me say this. Um, I was thinking about this before, and I thought to myself, what happened to the sex comedy, right? Um, the 90s happened because yeah. something happened. That touchstone, that that good film-grade quality stuff, that, that desire to be in a clamshell case uh, destroyed the sex comedy. Like The internet, I think, too. The um, internet, too, because it took away the mystique. But but if you think about it though, uh, you had the Bad News Bears in the late seventies, and the Bad News Bears, you know, with Walter Matthau, was a fun movie about filthy kids. And when you saw the Billy Bob Thornton remake, it was so lifeless. But yeah. but you look at sex comedies then, and you look at what happened. And I think what they did is it became they became packaged things. And we mentioned Friday the Thirteenth, the camp movie. Well, think about if you think about the sex comedy. This is going to sound really strange, but. The sex comedy, I think, branched out and evolved different branches. So you had, like, the horror summer camp movie, which you'd have things like Friday the 13th. You had Sleepaway Camp. You know, you had you had a lot of that stuff. You had the, the absurd comedies like Adam's Family Values. You had a great episode of The Simpsons. You know, you had uh, – there's a couple movies with uh, John Belushi, I think, that, that had that, where they were all in the – you know, I think with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. What was that movie called? Um – you talking about, wait with John with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi? Yeah, 
You talking about Blues Brothers? No, there's another one. Uh, 1940. Or was, it, was it Chevy Chase? Let me see. Um, oh, and Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. I'm so sorry, John Candy. Oh, um, up not up the not up the crew. Um, anyway, you know the movie I'm talking about. Yeah. Where they're in the woods. Yeah. And it was like one of his last movies. Uh, Great Outdoors was that what it was called? Was it the Great Outdoors? What, what year was that? 1988. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, that's it. So you had, a, in fact, John yeah. Candy even made a cartoon show, Camp Candy, about this huh. sort of thing, where he was, where he played the camp counselor. So you had, nice. and then you had all the kids' movies coming out, which were basically summer camp movies in the city. Like you had, you yeah. know, what was the the Sandlot? You had, oh, yeah. you had all those movies come out. They just, there's no reason to go to summer camp because now we're playing baseball or playing little league or we're doing all that stuff. So we don't need to go to summer camp, and we can't have sex anymore because we're all 13. So and then you ha- so you had to ha- so the movies had to become horror movies. So let's go to camp, have sex, and then die for it because having sex is a sin, and Jason's going to kill you. Yeah. And so, but then those died up. Those those, forgive the pun, crystallized. And so, what do you have left? Like you don't have much. I think all you could do is mock it. You had like Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, and that wasn't even until two thousand. That was after American Pie. Which and you had, but then you had like Scream, obviously, which made fun of which made fun movies. of things. But let me, you know what? Wet Hot American Summer. I think it actually is one of those things I told you about. Uh, I think they're, I think they're also at a Jewish summer camp in that movie. So oh, okay, yeah. So and I know, I know Netflix revived it, but the sh- the movies, the movies better. <laughs> so yeah, both both of the sequels. There's a sequel series and a prequel series. They're both pretty good though. But uh, Paul Rudd's great in it, by the way. Paul Rudd's great. Yeah. And he's really it's, funny. It's just amazing they had that. If you look at that cast, you're like, there's no way mm-hmm. this is a real movie. No. It's not even not even a real movie if you think about it. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, just um, – yeah. But, but then you had um, Wes Anderson doing his Moonrise Kingdom a couple years ago. and Yeah. That didn't – It's mean, joyless. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's not it, – I, I, I thought it was going to – I was like, okay, Wes Anderson, Summer Camp is going to be something cool. Um, they, you know, they got the Bill Murray thing. And it's like, oh – yeah, well, meatballs. You know what's funny though? Um, I think the Adams Family Values scene was a better Wes Anderson movie than Moonlight's Kingdom. Like, interesting, yeah. Because if you think about it, with uh, when you have um, what's her face? Uh, oh, what's her name? Christina Ricci. But what's her name in the movie? Uh, oh, Wednesday Adams, and you have Pugsley. That whole sense of humor, that dark sarcasm, was more in line with something like what Wes Anderson would have done. Oh yeah, the deadpan, like pinned against these like perky preppy girls. Exactly. Yeah, so good. And in the nineties, you also around that time you had Camp Nowhere. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that one. With no, no, brothers. I haven't seen it, but I know the, I know awesome the one you're movie. talking about. Yeah, a, it, it embodies the like kids, the anarchy kids movement <laughs> that like the Nickelodeon era well and you have heavyweights too which is another summer camp with ben stiller everybody everybody likes heavyweights by the way like people really like that movie but the last one that i saw that that meant anything to me because i'm older than you is ernest goes to camp oh yeah oh that was yeah that was still early that was a major hit though like that was a four or something 87 oh was that late okay 87 and that was was, the first that was it that was the first real one yeah the first real one yeah and that begat a franchise, <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. that only ended when he died. When when um, that's true. Ed, what was his name? Uh, uh, um, oh, I know, I know his name because he played Slinky Dog. So yeah, why can't Ver, Jim Varney? Jim Varney, right. yeah. But people love Jim Varney, even He's when the mo- even when the movies became intolerable. But but yeah. same thing. It's a summer camp movie where let's go do our thing. And but it was a monster hit though. It was a huge big hit. 
And so, but yeah, so I think the summer camp movie just sort of faded away because it became other things. And yeah, and and I don't even know do kids even go to summer camp anymore. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, they they have summer camp. One of my uh, my wife's best friends is a counselor. But is it, was a counselor at camp. But is it the same though? Like I imagine with I all the know. with all the laws and rules and everything now. Yeah, I, it's got to be. And, and that's the thing. Like there's the prank wars in these movies, and I was thinking, I was like, man, if you did a prank like this now, you'd get sued. Back then, you just you respond by just doing a prank back, and they're they were harmless relatively, and that's how you that's well, how you handled that. And when I went to when I was a counselor, we there was this transitional period where we used to have an overnight thing where like the parents would come and then. And then at the end, it was a day camp, so it was like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, we did. It was in the woods, though. And then, uh, the, the, but then they did away with the overnight because parents complained that the the kids weren't sleeping and like all. The, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what the fun of it is. You know, it's funny. Um, so basically, I, I I made a joke about this before that all the sex happened in three places. It happened at summer camps. It happened at ski resorts, and it happened on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to really get into it because I'm not a big fan of the genre, but you had a whole bunch of sex comedies taking place at the ski resort. Yeah. And, and um, I, there was one that was just called Ski Resort. And, <laughs> they just they didn't bother. There was, but there was a bunch, though. There was a bunch of related ones. I think one was called Hot Dog, the movie. Oh, and, yeah. And I think there was also Joysticks, which Sex at the Arcade. Joysticks is so bad, but it's, yep. it's fun, though. But, but it's bad. But I wanted to bring this up to you real quick because um, – I believe I saw the, the apex of, of the whole idea, and the apex happened with this movie called uh, Hamburger, the Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Okay. I've so, seen it, but I know I know the movie. So it's not a great movie. I'm not going to lie. But uh, I was talking to a friend about this because Hamburger, the Motion Picture, and I'm going to end it like this, sort of evolved the genre into what it could become, and I don't think you could go past it. Um, and it was basically a world-building sex comedy where it took place in this universe where uh, in order to work at a, a fast food restaurant, you had to go to college. And you had to go to Hamburger University. And it was just, it's a hardcore rated R sex comedy with T's and A's and pickles, real pickles. Huh. And it's really ambitious for what it is. Really? It, yeah, it's really ambitious. It's got its own theme song. It's totally 80s. This movie is impossible to find now. But if you've seen it, you've seen it. And you understand Is it, it related to Hot Dog, the movie? I think it might be. I think it might share producers or writers. Um, again, huh. it's, it's really hard to find. But but there was also another one in there called um, Moving Violations. And, and basically, uh, a friend of mine uh, and I were talking. We basically realized all these movies are basically The Breakfast Club. Because think about it. The Breakfast Club... We're all in a place we don't want to be. We're all we're all different characters from different backgrounds. Now we all got to buddy up and and face the bad guy. And so many of these sex comedies are about that. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and and yeah, Breakfast Club was like the most uh, like uh, um, shed they, they they shed away all the ex- extraneous details and just made it okay. They're yeah. in this room together. Yeah, and that and, but that concept of the Breakfast Club became in. in emblematic of the 1980s like rebellion because you had all these you had the nerd the cool kid the goth the sex bot the misunderstood you had all these characters and they all have to team up to face the bad guy and a lot of the sex comedies had the exact same thing going on exactly the same yeah that's true yeah upright and 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 going back to harold ramus like you can yeah. see you watch animal house um and you can see where that kind of like uh the you know that whole idea of like the oppressor is always defeated by just uh, like 
antics and chaos and and like and then you know have you have Bill Murray's speech that says it just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, it just doesn't matter, and that's kind of like this uproarious anarchy uh, attitude kind of uh, permeated through all these these movies. I think we've uh, deconstructed the sex comedy better than most. <laughs> but leave it to us. But I think I think that's the whole concept, though. That I think, like any good movie, the sex comedy, whether it's at a beach, whether it's at the, the summer camp, whether it's at the arcade, or whether it's at the slopes, or whether it's at a little league game. Although you really shouldn't have a sex comedy at a little league game. Yeah, don't do that, please. Just don't do that. Don't do that, Hollywood, please. But whether whether you have it or not, at the end of the day. If it's got heart, if it's got character, then it, then all that stuff that you think is going to be trouble, problematic is not going to matter because you're going to identify with the characters. And, like, for example, one of the biggest comedies of all time is about a kid who has sex with a pie. Yep. You know? And yet we think about American Pie and you, you love the characters. You think it's sweet. Like, you don't yeah. – you think of Eugene Levy as dad. You know, you think of these fun things. You don't really remember the pie. Yeah. Not everyone's Stifler. Not everyone's Stifler. He's there. He's there to juxtapose all the other. And yeah, you couldn't have a whole movie with Stifler. Trust me. They tr- yeah. what was that actor's name? They've tried. Uh, Sean uh, William Scott. Yeah, they tried to make him a star. It didn't really work. Yeah. Although he was good in Goon, by the way. He's good in Goon. He's good in role models. He's yeah, good he, he's things. good in very small doses. Yeah. Uh, he's not very good in Dude, Where's My Car? But I'll say this. Um, but going back to Meatballs, going back to where it all started from, Meatballs has a lot of heart, and it's got some scenes that haven't aged well, but. Name me a movie that hasn't. Yep. So, but I will say this: um, I think the movie works because of Bill Murray, and I think it will always work because Bill Murray's great in it. Yep. And and for that reason alone, it gets recommended. Um, but I also say see Meatballs too because it's got an alien. Yeah, you got to see Meatballs too. You got to see Meatballs at, too. Don't that, it gets a bad rap? That's it's one of the movies that gets a bad rap that's not deserved. I don't think. I think you got to watch it and, and just not think about people who say it sucks yeah um and you know make your own opinion of it but um but go in with expectations suitably lowered go in with maybe something to eat something to drink Mm -hmm. because you don't want to go in you know you don't want to go in naked um and have fun with it because i think you will i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with it because it is what it is the movie's not trying to be high art it is not trying to be high art at all so but with that i think we've uh i think we've kind of exhausted everything we can say i think we've squeezed every last drop that we can and with that yeah yeah, uh, you've been uh, no more talk of pinkies and winkies because you have been listening to the Pop Zara podcast. This is movie time from Pop Zara. Uh, this has been your host Nathan Evans, uh, managing editor of PopZara.com, speaking once again with the late. No, you're not late. You're still here. The great Ethan Brem. <laughs> Ethan. Late, yeah. Hey. Thanks. Yeah. yeah he's, he's late. I was late for the podcast. That's your. You know. But I'm still alive. Ask my wife, please. Uh, see if this were Roddy Dangerfield, it would be so much fun. Oh, Wouldn't man. it? He'd just we be riffing. The, we should get him on the podcast. Yeah, speaking of late. So, <laughs> late and great. Um, no, you've been listening to the Movie Time Podcast. If you like what you listen to, give us a good shout out. Like us, do us, do all the things that you've been asked to do while listening to ads. We do it without the ads, so we're better. And with that, we will see everybody next time. Goodbye. <laughs> They know it all, but don't know where it's at. Some go in a game, but they can't hold a bat.
You've been listening to the Pop Zara Podcast. For more quality original content, check out popzara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.